What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horn, and this is This Is Pro Wrestling. I won't waste too much of your time up top here. I just wanted to take a quick second to thank each and every one of you who download the show on your favorite podcast app, anybody who's subscribed to the YouTube. If you're on one of those places and not the other, we would be honored if you considered going and jumping on the other process as well. We do podcasts and the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash this is pro wrestling. Uh, we're at TIPW show everywhere. And I am at this is Gary Horn on all the social media. I just wanted to say that we appreciate everybody who has followed, but we are trying to grow that YouTube channel. So it'd be really cool if you guys help boost us up over there. And uh, we are also now getting a lot of different opportunities. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Think you guys will dig. And uh, anyway, so wanted to get that out of the way. Also wanted to get out of the way. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, first and foremost, the Real World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis, and his brand Legacy Sups. You can check them out, LegacySups.com. They have such great supplements over there. And uh, if you're like I am, the pandemic ran you ragged and you are trying to get on top of your fitness journey right now. Part of that journey for me is going to be Legacy Subs. They have a great pre-workout over there, some uh, testosterone enhancement. Uh, my favorite stuff, though, is X-Lean, uh, which is a great fat burner that's going to help me out with some of this. And then also... There is the recovery PM, where if you're like I am, sometimes you get real anxious at night, you have trouble sleeping. This is a sleep aid, and uh, it really just helps you rest better than anything I've ever had before. So please check them out. And if you use the code NWAFAM, you get 10% off of everything over in their store. So that's uh, LegacySups.com, code NWAFAM. Also, like to thank Collar and Elbow. Uh, they are at collarandelbowbrand.com. If you haven't checked them out, great shirts, clothes, wrestling-based brand. Uh, you know Al Snow. He's running that thing over there. But anyway, check them out. Uh, if you use the code GRAVY, like gravy cake, you can uh, get yourself a discount as well. So please check out Collar and Elbow Brand. And last but not least, of course, is Manscaped. Those guys are always the coolest. And uh, if you haven't checked out the Lawnmower 3.0, you got to. You can uh, take care of business. I'm not going to move the camera there. But anyway, NWA Pod gets you 20% off and free shipping in the store. So please check out manscaped.com. Usually I would spend more time talking about these things, but I want to get you right to the interview. I don't want to waste your time. Um, today we are talking to Tom Latimer, a.k.a. Bram. You guys know him uh, from Impact, WWE, but most recently in the NWA as part of Strictly Business, and uh, they're wreaking havoc every single week on Fight TV, so you can check them out there, and, you know, just uh, NWA Power is by far my favorite wrestling show, and that's not just because we do the post-show every Tuesday night uh, at 7.05 after they come on at 6.05. Um, Tom is, uh, an interesting guy and I know, uh, we both know that this interview uh, will probably be a little controversial for some folks. So that's okay. Um, Tom is also a guy who owns who he is and his past and that sort of thing. He won't say this and I'll say this just, you know, and I'm not speaking for him. I look and see some of the stuff online that people say, and I think it's disproportionate to, 
Tom, um, but I also don't want to minimize anybody's trauma. So I shouldn't even say that. Like, you know, my point is, is that um, the Tom that I know now, I met him at Crockett Cup 2019. I won't bore you with the story, but uh, he was so good to my wife and I and uh, has been good ever since. And I've seen him just be such a sweet, sweet dude. And uh, I just, you know, over the past couple of years, we've built a relationship and uh, I just really dig Tom. And I think he's a guy who's out there trying his best to be the best man that he can be. And unfortunately, due to his past, he is uh, not granted some leniency. And he's not a guy who would disown that responsibility, who would tell you that it, he hasn't earned some of it. So you'll see that here. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the interview and I hope you guys will give it a chance. Uh, really appreciate Tom for doing the show, stepping out of his comfort zone. And that's all. I just wanted to say all of that. Please check it out. Here's Tom Latimer. Up. He loves uh, he loves space, and you know I have a lot of similarities. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I had to ask you if you'd seen that. <laughs> no, I need to. We don't have Hulu. I need to steal. Um, I was using a friend. I got you a password, man. I got you a password. You can use ours. <laughs> hey, man. I hit um, just FYI, so you don't think I'm springing something on you. I just went ahead and hit the button here, but oh, this yeah, is yeah. it's not it's not actually live. It says live. This is not live, and it's just recording, so we can. Oh. I sort of jimmied a bunch of boxes and shit around, and there's light coming in from there. So I, I like you tell me how it works. Is this is this it? Is the cover behind me magic? It's gorgeous. It's just like all the perfect lighting. You you're illuminated like an angel. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah, it's perfect. Are you like a huge Sasquatch fan? Is that what we're finding out here? I didn't know this. No, I'm into my. You gotta tread carefully talking about it, but I'm into my I'm into my conspiracies, and I'm um, you know nothing is what you see. There's always an agenda. So I, I'm very. I've been talking to a guy. He's a director of a movie called um, it's uh, something something the Gray. I can't remember the first title, but it's it's about an alien, and he swears to me that uh, he's caught footage of this alien and it's real. I'm supposed to be meeting up with him, but I don't know. It's all you just never know. But I mean, it's I'm I'm into all that stuff. There's not a lot. There's not a lot that I'm not. I don't pay attention to, especially with this UFO stuff coming out, out right now, which which I think will be a staged alien invasion. That is what is coming next. <laughs> oh, that's I swear, man, it's, it's happening. That's awesome. <laughs> it's terrible. My brother's whole. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's not brother... awesome technically, but. It's... Yeah, my brother's life motto is uh, he's like uh, he's like for the uh, for the believer, no evidence is needed. For the skeptic, none will suffice. Oh, yeah. That's what he's always yeah. saying. So. Yeah. And and of course, I look at everything. I try. I just got you. You just need to be open minded. However, ignorance is bliss, and I do wish I was slightly more ignorant or didn't pay attention or care. I mean, I get friends that send me stuff every day, so I'm constantly being bombarded with the latest nanotechnology that goes up your nose and <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm always getting something. There's no release. So I, Rob can't stay with us. So I wanted to, I wanted to at least get some time with Rob here because I had to, I had to call him out on the carpet real quick while you were here that um, you probably didn't hear this, but Nick, Nick uh, got on his ass about it, but Rob thought you were Scottish at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Someone told me that too. And then we, we happened to be on a show one day and I was like, you know, we've got all these, all this uh, British talents. Like don't, you know, I don't know if the Scots like to be called British, but you know, you can ask Tom Latimer, he's Scott. And and then uh, all this texted in is yeah, like, well, tell Rob, tell Rob that Tom's not from Scotland. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time. I've got a lot of friends from there. You know what I mean? So, but it's all England's weird. It's the size of Florida. Yeah, you know, there's a divide Wales, you know, the UK and, and, and England and Scotland. So it is weird. It's the sides of Florida, yet it's, you know, there's all this different stuff going on. But, I mean, it's it's all one to me. Just everyone's a weird you're, And your accent, your accent is distinct, too. It's it's distinct from Nick's. I know they're, they're just like in the States, there are different kinds of English accents here. But yours uh, has sort of a Celtic a tinge to it, you know. At least it does well, to me. I, my my ears not trained. <laughs> so most people I meet, they go, "Oh, where are you from? Are you Australian?" I go, oh, "No." But that, <laughs> I think that's what happens when you mix English and American. After ten years, it turns into Australia. So I'm, yeah, whatever, you know. So and I, right. I also got this the other day. I was driving a guy. I've got a, a job transporting um, people in wheelchairs and uh, you know, like um, disabled people, or you know, sort of. It's sort of an insurance thing, so I go around and drive people to their doctor hospital appointments. It sounds like a cushy job, but it's 12 hours of absolute stress and chaos. But um, I was driving some chap the other day, and he turns around to me. He's a he's about, I don't know, he's, he's, he's in his early 60s or something. And he turns to me and goes, so how old are you then, about 40-something? I was like, oh, no, I'm 34, you bastard. <laughs> 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 Something. I'm like, oh man, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're uh, all that, all that beating you take. So now, you, you even said yeah, yeah. though with the, uh, with the uh, kilt thing, you said, well, you, you wear the kilt. I mean, why do you like? Wh- where does that come from? Was there a particular story behind your kilt? Or? Uh, I think I remember seeing uh, Raven where, where the maids ago, and I thought that'd be cool. And no one was, no one, Drew wore it in developmental and FCW for a hot minute. And, uh, but then it, it went away and no one else was kind of doing it. And I remember I was doing like a, an indie show somewhere in Florida and Raven was there. And I said, Hey, you don't mind if I took, you're not doing it anymore. You're not wrestling anymore, but can I take your, can I, can I wear the kilt? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, go for it. And then it took me a long time to finally do it. And then, and then I, and I was booked for a tour of, of nowhere in Japan. And that's when I first thought, okay, that's when I'll that's when I'll try the try the kilt thing. I just like the way it looks. I like the way that it kind of flails around as you're getting tossed around and whatnot. And I just I just I got uh, I need to pick them up today actually. I just got my new two two new kilts made. But uh, Chase, who who makes my gear, at least my kilts, he um, he was late getting 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 them made for the last TV. So at least I'll have them for the next one. But um, I don't know. I just always thought they were cool. And then I, what was weird is. Now it's just a coincidence. I don't think about it, but when I started wearing it, it was the same time that I guess Sheamus started. He came out of WrestleMania and wore it too, and I was just like, "Well, there you go." Because as soon as they wear it, then you know what I mean. It's it's uh, you know no good for you. But uh, and then Drew's wearing his now, but he's got. What can I say? You know what I mean. I've got to let him do it. Yeah, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense for him. He's even carrying the sword out to the ring. Yeah. He can't really use <laughs> that. So. There's no pentagrams or upside down crosses or anything spooky. <laughs> on me, so. 
<laughs> I guess I'll preface this by saying again, we're just recording, so if you don't want to talk about anything, just let me know. Whatever, we'll oh, we can yeah. Yeah, edit. No, I'm I'm cool. I didn't, know if, I didn't know if there's a special start to this or, or how I'm cool with you know. How I like it to just start how the fuck ever. So I I actually liked that yeah. you guys were talking yeah. about Sasquatch, and I thought that was a fun way to just jump in. So that's why I went ahead and hit the button. I think yeah, people no, I think people that. dig that stuff, so they like knowing like the other side of like people like stuff they're interested in yeah 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 it's something you don't want to tell many people but it's amazing how much that comes up so in with the driving job i'm obviously with all sorts of different clientele all day and it's amazing what weird conversations come up in that car or what you find out about people or um a, a big one is and sometimes I've, I've thought am i gonna have to pull this car over right now they're gonna get into a fight if i've got like so christian here and, and a joke up and here. Like they'll get into it. Oh, politics is another one. I'm like, oh, don't talk about politics. But yeah, it is. Uh, it, you know, it is. It is funny. I just, I just try and keep it on the down low a little bit. You know, depending on who you're talking to, because some people are open to it, and other people think you're a crackpot. So you know what I mean. You walk that fine line. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got guys like uh, Jericho out there right now who talks about. I mean, like his show has, and and you're right. I mean, he gets criticism all the time uh, from different people. He doesn't seem to to care, but like the. Uh, you know, just because he likes having people on talking about ghost stories or UFOs or whatever, and I, no, man, I, I, yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I, I think it's interesting, if nothing else, even if you don't like completely buy into everything, like it's just interesting to think about uh, some of that stuff. Definitely, anything's anything's possible. You know, like it's very easy to sort of you're you're in this reality every day you see the same stuff you live in it you know but and it's very easy to sort of get um stagnant in it but i mean anything and everything is possible i mean you know i spend a lot of time <laughs> just and just trying to figure out that i that never never will but trying to figure out why we're here what you know that i think when i was 14 it was the first time that i'd ever um I'd lived a normal life. I'd never questioned anything. I didn't question why the grass was green. I didn't question where I came from. I didn't question reality itself. I had nothing. I was completely oblivious and complete, just cruising along. And all of a sudden, it just hit me. And it made me depressed. I don't know, for maybe like three months. Like, the first time I questioned reality, what, what, what is going on? What, why are we here? Like, it blew my mind because I, I just never thought about it. And it was, uh, maybe it was at that point that it changed how I think about stuff and, and made me more sort of open to, to any, any idea. I mean, anything, nothing is not impossible. Nothing like, you know, there's, there's, it's, I don't know, to, to not think that any of this stuff when it comes to God or aliens or, or whatever, like, I think it's, if you are so set in your ways and say, no, that isn't like, there's no one, no one lives on this earth. I don't think that knows what is going on. And until I meet that person or have, my moment in front of my maker to be able to ask him it's all just whatever what you've you've either been told or it's uh, what someone's opinion is you know no no one's around to really tell us what's going on so but it just drives me bonkers or uh, yeah 14 that's when that's when i think i kind of got into all this hokey weird stuff all right so get. i just gave it like Here a little <laughs> no no i was trying to like how do i how do i jump back in here it doesn't matter we we it, you like you you keep saying it's it's more organic this way so we're we're, we're coming back we we froze up and we had to restart we froze up. yep 
And, uh, let, me, let me say this, Gary, before before uh, I've got to jet out at one again. I hate doing that, man. I'm like on the verge of just quitting my job <laughs> and just going all in. We know? all but, all thought you were kind of crappy before this. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, like, you are, um, you know, we, uh, uh, you were at the 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 sell out for Smothers and that that a whole event, but um, you are wrestling in Middle Tennessee, which I think is like one of the most vibrant areas in the world right now for pro wrestling it's the talent that that comes out between like you and crimson and you know aldous is there guys like jeremiah plunkett alex taylor um did when you when you came over here did you did you immediately uh, how did you wind up in tennessee so um i mean there's a lot more too like ey lives here you know uh, crazy steve mm-hmm Sure, there's more. I think Miro lives in Nashville. So there's a there's a it's a weird mini hotbed. I mean, most people are in Florida, but there is a lot there is a lot here in the sort of Tennessee area. But um, I so I was in the UK. So I'd left Impact Wrestling, and um, I sort of had a I sort of I could make a living wrestling independently in the UK. And after leaving Impact, that you know, the sort of the last year wasn't really really ideal. So we came to you know we came to a head, and they they let me go. And uh, I went back to the UK because, like I said, I could survive and I could make a full-time living wrestling. So, I mean, it wasn't great. I obviously want to stay on TV. But um, I ended up there for a couple of years. And in the meantime, I was kind of waiting on my green card to um, – my, my 10-year green card to be approved and sent. So I was kind of in, like, this weird limbo where I, I needed to – I wanted to be in America. But at the same time, I, could, there was, I couldn't make a living here, at least from wrestling. And at this point, I still hadn't really – got my life together so the last thing i wanted to do is sort of is work for the man you know at that time i was like oh i've got to wrestle you know i still hadn't sort of you know had my wake-up moment but um so uh but anyway my 10-year green card finally came through and it was and i'd sort of i'd sort of ran my course in the uk and i also wasn't very very happy and i i needed to go and so when that kind of happened, I was like, okay, now I now I can go back to the States, but and I need to go back because I want to be able to live there and keep my green card. Because obviously you and I was flitting back and forth a lot, and you can't you can't really do that. Eventually they go, hey, make up your mind, where do you want to live? So um, so I ended up reaching out to Crimson and uh, Crimson ran and still still does run trend through pro wrestling here. Um, sort of based in Clarksville, and he had a wrestling school. And this was around the same time that um, that Sam Shaw now is Dexter Loomis. He uh, he was originally gonna come and be the head coach for Crimson School, but then WWE snapped him up. So Crimson was like, "Hey, the door's open right now. Here's a spot for you. At least it's something for you to come back to." So that's kind of how I never thought I'd I'd, I'd, I'd been to Clarksville a bunch and wrestled for for crimson here but i never thought i would live here so but at the same time i was desperate to get out of the uk i needed a fresh start i needed i needed to sort of change my life and sort of get my get my life back together so i i went okay cool so i jumped out i think it was like two weeks later i was on a plane and i got to uh i got to clarksville and i had nowhere to stay and so uh so crimson sort of helped me you know get get a, get a roof over my head at somebody's house it was nice enough to let me stay there for a while until i sort of figured figured it out but it was originally to come and work for the school and then sort of you know f- figure out i needed a, a base and a safe place to be able to sort of figure out my life so that's how i that's why i ended up in tennessee but you're right about there being a lot of a lot of you know a lot of wrestlers here and, and a lot of shows i've not had a i've not been able to sort of do very many and whatnot but there is a bit of a, a hotbed 
for uh, for all that kind of stuff as well. And like you said, the crowds are great too. They they like that sort of you know um, cheerleading type wrestling. They're not uh, they just want to be entertained and feel part of the part of the show. So whenever you do go to a wrestling show in Tennessee, you know you can have an easy time. You know you kind of get spoiled because you could probably have a terrible match and everyone will still be going crazy. You know. Yeah, I remember that uh, at that particular that particular show. You, like that. you yeah, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and James Storm had ended up like, uh, of course, I didn't expect that at all. I was there with Piper, and we lost our minds when y'all came out. Now, I didn't know that y'all were going to come out together, and the, but then we talked a little bit afterwards, and you were like kind of self critical, which you guys professionals are all y'all always tend to be critical of your own word. We thought it was fantastic, you know, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It was um, it was for Tracy, so that's all that mattered because it was actually a, a charity show. None of us were be, being paid to be there. You know, it cost us money to be there, but it was for a good cause, cause, um, cause, and uh, for, for Tracy. We all loved Tracy a lot and 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 miss him to this day. So that was fine. It was still it's kind of one of those things. It was um, it was just because uh, there wasn't. We literally through whatever we did literally as we seconds before we were going out you know what i mean it's, it's, and it was kind of i'd been i hadn't wrestled for a long time I mean, because of covid it'd been a long time so i really sort of wanted to get my teeth sunk into it but you know it just it, it was what it was so um what, what can you, as long as everyone's entertained i just know that I'd have, it would have been nicer if um everyone else there would have played ball a little bit more and, and whatnot there was other things going on that evening but um, yeah, it would just have been nicer if we could have gone, hey, guys, it's just, you know, five minutes. Let's just, uh, let's make this, you know, more entertaining. Right. Now, since since coming to Tennessee, have you, uh, we know that you're a, a big, uh, um, I guess you guys would call it football. You're a big football fan. But have you, have you played? Well, I'm not. So Nick is. Nick used to play when he was a kid. I think he's all right, actually. You know, I mean, he'll tell you he's the best, obviously. But um no, Nick Nick was the one that decided. He was like, hey, there's a game. And, and I had actually texted him a few days before and I said, because I don't have a life anymore. I, I, I get up at 3 a.m., I train, I go to work, finish work about 6, I come home, I do my paperwork, and then I pre-plan the next day and make phone calls. And then I'll go do more cardio, maybe give Kaylee a 30-second hug, and then I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, so I said, all right, this weekend when we get together, because we try and do that occasionally, I said, can we go? Let's go do something. Let's get out of the house. Me and Kaylee, a couple of weeks ago, went to go see Godzilla versus Kong. And just to get out of the house, we haven't been to the movies for years, it feels like. So getting to go, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, like you can just get to live a little bit. So he said, hey, there's a football game. We should go. And like I said, I'm not the biggest uh, football fan. My dad would take me when I was a kid to see Leicester City because he was born in Leicester. So I would go occasionally, but it was never really my forte. But I'll, I'll say this, it was very enjoyable. We did have a good time. And um, it's kind of interesting hearing the, the American soccer fans chant because uh, they're all very polite, you know what I mean? And everyone's like, you know, even if everyone's like happy for the other team and there's a round of applause and, uh, you know, like there's not, there's not a lot of jeering or, or bullying or hazing or things being thrown or set on fire or anything like that you know what i mean it's kind of it's nice because it's like this is probably how it should be but it's so different that i heard no swearing at all and if you went to any any uh any football game no matter what level in the uk 
someone swearing you know what i mean <laughs> that might be a bit of the, like the novelty of soccer i know soccer is the world's largest sport or most popular sport but it, it you know it, it it and it's here we've got a soccer team here in atlanta where i'm where i live and uh, um but it's like our sports are are american football and baseball we we're big braves fans and we when we go mm-hmm. oh there's cussing there's bad manners have you, have, you, have you become a baseball fan or been able to pick up? I know because I, I just know because Kaylee's is an athlete and was a softball player and this and that. Have you uh, right. has any of that kind of, you know, spilt over to you as far as like American football or, or baseball or anything like that? No, I've never liked sports. I don't know why. Besides, I guess wrestling is kind of Asia sport, at least pro wrestling. Like there's a sport element. But uh, no, I was never, never interested in nothing. Not, not when I was a kid, nothing. I do wish I was kind of a bit more, I think I wish I was kind of forced into it a little bit more by my parents. At the same time, I'm also kind of glad that they didn't. So I don't know. But I was just never really bothered about it. However, the the baseball, we went to go see a game in Durham and we went with Kaylee's parents. And then when, we, when me and Kaylee were wrestling for uh, Nacion Lucha Libre uh, in, uh, I think that's what it's called, in Mexico, they took us to, and I can't, I've got the baseball hat and all the gear they gave us, but I can't remember the team, but they had us throughout the first pitch. So that was kind of cool, you know, <laughs> like a random baseball stadium in Mexico. Me and Kelly get to throw out the first pitch. We've got a picture of it up and they gave us the baseballs and stuff. So that was cool. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think yeah. I'd do that. So when you were, when you were in school, uh, I get, I, and I, you know, school systems are different overseas than they are here. But I guess when you were in the equivalent of high school for us, what kinds of things were you involved in and what kind of student were you? Um, so I think you, I think I was kind of one of those kids that I was never, I think I probably had ADHD or ADD or whichever, and also <laughs> I'm dyslexic. I'm kind of figuring that out now, the older I get. Like when I read back my texts, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. A word doesn't go there. There should be a word there and there's not, you know. So I have to, especially especially if I'm going to post something on Instagram, I either send it to Kaylee to to pre, to to check it or I'll read it through several times to make sure. And chances are I'll still spell something wrong. But no, I wasn't, I'll say that I didn't pay attention in school. I wasn't, um, I wasn't a good student and I, um, I just couldn't learn. So, so I tried to get my, so me and Kaylee recently did our realtors. Well, she did. We, we, we tried to become realtors. Kaylee did. And I, during with work too, it was, it was a lot going on, but I, I just realized this is why I couldn't do school. You know, when it comes to studying and retaining information and, um, and stuff like that, I just, I can't, like I could, unless it's something incredibly simple like the cat sat on the mat or something like that if it's if there's a word in there that I'm not quite sure about whether my brain just goes nope you can't you can't understand this and and I feel like so it, it even happens to me now like I said I never I couldn't I gave up on the realist thing I just I thought I can't, I'm just not I'm not just not you know you, I just my brain won't allow me to do it and so going back to school, it was kind of the same thing. Like there was things that I did enjoy, but I just struggled so much to learn or understand things. And, you know, I think maybe um, I, I, I could have been, I could have been helped a little bit more with it. I think they did see that that was a problem, but there was a lot of kids like that. So we all just kind of came the kids, not that you throw away, but there wasn't, there wasn't sort of added attention where they probably needed to be. And like I said, no, no, they probably just thought I was unruly. Now it wasn't that I was spent a lot of time messing around, 
I just struggled to understand. I couldn't retain information. It was super hard for me. So the last two years of school, I didn't go. I, <laughs> I'd spend my time smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee in the cafeteria. And no one would ever even come and check. You know, I'd spend most of my time in the music room with sort of the other kids messing around that somehow didn't need to be in class. So I do regret not um, not not trying more. But as a kid, you also you don't realize you don't really care. And, um, you know, so, you know, it, it was it was fun, but all, probably for all the wrong reasons. But I didn't really get anything from school. When I left, I went to culinary college and I did graduate that. So. I told my parents that I wanted to be a pro wrestler at an early age. I told the, the, I think this is a story that most wrestlers will probably sort of rehash. It's the same kind of thing. You know, there was like a day when the teacher sat everyone down and sort of went, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd sort of said that that's what I wanted to be. And that of course was a, <laughs> was a laughing stock of the class and also the teacher too, you know? So I was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. And then, um, and then I told my parents and they, of course, I mean, get, in my mind, I was going to be a WWE superstar, but of course, that is that was so far an alien. That was like me telling my parents that, hey, I'm going to, you know, be an astronaut or walk on the moon one day. It's just not going to happen. You, you're a stupid kid from Chesterfield. It's not going to happen for you. And I, you know, and I kind of understood why the teachers and why everyone else would have thought that. So anyway, my parents forced me to go to, to catering college because I'd done two weeks when I was like 13 at. Uh, one of those, you know, where they, where they send you away for two weeks to get work experience. And I spent time with these chefs and I was smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee in the day, messing about in the kitchen. I thought, this is great. I can do this. I can do this when I leave school. So for, I really enjoyed it. You know, there wasn't, you know, it was just, I felt like an adult and I was being treated like one. So I think that's kind of what, you know, what made me think, well, maybe I could do that. So like I said, they forced me to go do that. And I did two years of that and I, and I did pass it and I'm a qualified chef, but I will tell you, I can't cook to save my life, but I got the qualifications. <laughs> I was about to say, so it seems like Kaylee would take advantage of that, but I guess. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's kind of, you know what I mean? But we are, we're always eating diet, this and that, and she's always cooking her meals and they've got to be weighed out and everything. So I kind of get away, get away with not so. I know, I know right now you, you're on like some plan with her, aren't you? Like some, I saw you post about it the other day and, and we kind of talked about it, but you're like doing some like bodybuilding plan that, that she's trying to do. Cause it, is she like going into competition again or something? Yeah, she, um, she, so, so when was this? This is, I actually asked her to marry me, um, on stage. And I, so cutting back, she, um, she did, uh, I can't remember what it was now. It was it was the Daytona Classic last year, I think. What what is it now? Yeah, last year sometime. I think maybe September or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. It was a while. It was a while back, and she won it. She won all the classes. She, there was three that she entered in. Now I, I can't remember what it is. I think it's uh, she'll kill me if I get it wrong too. So I'm not going to say. But it's not um, it's not your bikini and it's not your big muscly women. It's kind of kind of one sort of in, in the middle. So there you go. Save my skin there uh and uh yeah like i said she crushed it she killed it everyone everyone liked her and so um so she's so this next one uh that's in chattanooga uh, june uh, 18th i think 19th and 18, 18 19th this is one where if she does uh you know win or whatever then she'll be able to get a pro card so also with tape with with covid and not having anything to be in shape for and then with the wrestling starting to come back up, it kind of just makes make sense as well for her to be doing the bodybuilding stuff and staying in shape because 
there's a there's you know that you have to have a reason you have to have a goal otherwise it's very easy for you know to fall off the wagon and and you know to sort of give up so it was half covid and then half she sort of you know got bit bit by the bug when she realized she'd be she'd be good at it and so you know i because that because i don't drink anymore food has become sort of the besides my chewing tobacco you see this giant tub that i've got but Besides the chewing tobacco, food's my other vice. It's the one thing that I can enjoy. I'm not going to upset anyone. I'm not going to end up in jail. Nothing, you know, it's you know, it's safe. It's uh, so food is food is generally the thing that I'll do at the weekends or every other weekend to sort of enjoy myself and let loose. And um, and so, of course, with her competition coming up, the last thing that she wants to see is me on the couch, sweating, covered in candy wrappers, shoveling, uh, you know, uh, Magnum bars and ice cream down my mouth. So I said, okay, you're going to do this competition. I'll diet for the 11 weeks with you just to make it easier for you. And at the same time, it's getting me in shape. And, um, you know, at least we're both kind of suffering. But honestly, after a while, it kind of, it kind of becomes easy. And especially when you start seeing your body change and whatnot, you kind of think, well, I just kind of want to keep going. So that's 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 why I'm doing it. It's to make sure she doesn't murder me if I'm caught eating a piece of carrot cake. <laughs> Is that like your go-to? Like, what, what's what's Tom Latimer's go-to for? Like, just Gary, you don't want to know. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's extreme because I think I've always been an addict. Well, I have always been an addict. So everything that I do, it's either all or nothing. So when it comes to the food, I mean, at one day I'll take a picture of everything and send it. And you'll be you'll be horrified. Even I'm horrified. <laughs> There's it's it's just it's just the, the amount. It's just sickening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've definitely got a food problem. But well, I, it's just know, it, it's, it's weird uh, to me, man, because you're like a you know I'm I'm looking at your post today, uh, and and you mentioned me, thanks. But uh, you're you're yeah. you're you're looking like a million bucks. But I'm like, I think every time I've seen you, you look you look pretty good not to get all cozy with you here but you know you're uh you're 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 looking good and so it's just i don't know it's hard for me to picture you like like you said like shoveling ice cream into your throat like like what is uh i i don't know it's just like how is how is what is happening now different than how you normally act because i don't think i've ever seen you look like you're 350 pounds you know so i've always looked okay um especially after the last three years of, well, the last, not three, but the last two and a half years of getting fully sober, that has really helped. I remember when I came back from, uh, from, from the UK and I moved back to the States, I had a couple of weeks before I moved to Clarksville and I was staying with some friends in Tampa and I spent New Year's with Jinder and uh, uh, Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway. And, uh, you know, we, we, they, they'd quit alcohol by that point. They were both in tremendous shape. And I was still, I didn't, I wasn't drinking that night, but I was still, I still hadn't sort of fully committed to the idea of, of, you know, never drinking again. And so I remember seeing those guys in shape and like, yeah, we don't drink anymore. And, you know, look at our physiques now. And so that was always sort of lingering in the back of my mind. And until you actually get really into shape, you don't realize how kind of out of shape that you are. And, um, and lately, basically, I just realized that if I was consistent, like I have been right now and just the thing is is eventually I have to cheat because you'll just explode but it's being consistent uh for a longer period of time what I would do is is I would go a week or two really really good not eat anything bad do all my, my empty stomach cardio train 
you know, do cardio once I get back from work, all that kind of stuff. And I would just start turning into get into pretty good shape. And then I'd be like, oh, it's the weekend. I'm going to press the big red button. And when I would do it, I would go overboard. And just like with my drinking, you know, that might turn into one or two or three days of it. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd do that with the, with the drinking. I would, I would start one night and then a week later, I'm still drunk. And so it's kind of the same with the food. So again, it's sort of learning that I can't do that. And, um, you know, there has to be a cutoff and that, you, you know, it, you know, you can't, I can't, it's a, it's a yo-yo. It's a weird, vicious cycle. If I go two or three weeks straight without eating and then I spend two days purely in junk, I just throw a lot of hard work away. So, so lately it has been one being consistent and generally not cheating and then two when I do it's gonna have to be a lot less so that I'm not gonna throw all the hard work away you know what I mean and like I said when you get to a certain when you get to a certain shape it's like Kaylee like it is kind of hard mentally when when you when you've got when you've taken all that time and got into that shape it only takes a couple of days of eating you know a few a few dunking down ups and whatnot for it to for it to go away so you've got this sort of fine balance and then also you've got to be comfortable with you can't look bodybuilding shredded all the time you'd probably die you'd be at least very very miserable so you have to sort of you have to be strong mentally to realize that you know it's okay to not look like that all the time you know what i mean Tom, man, I've got to bounce. I, 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 uh, I hate to. Gosh, I hate to leave. Uh, you son of a bitch. I know. I, well, you know, you know, we love you. We love Kaylee. We feel like, uh, we feel like what we've known you, uh, forever. It seems like, and we just, uh, we're very invested in, in you, and, and always watch what you and Kaylee do with great interest. We're proud of you, and, uh, and uh, I know that you know we'll, we'll run into each other here and again in a few weeks. And I live in Chattanooga, so uh, when you guys are here in Chattanooga, hit me up, man. Chances, yeah, yeah. <laughs> chances are, chances are, me and Gary are going to be talking for the next six hours. So, just hey, come I back j- when you're ready. Yeah, I may, ju- <laughs> I may jump back in, man. Seriously, I'll be in and out. I may jump back in. Hey, y'all take care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, bro. Right. Later. See you, my brother. So, so have you noticed? Like, um, this is this is. I, I'm asking this genuinely for myself. Mainly is that, um. Obviously, I am not in the greatest shape in the world, but I've been working on it. But the one thing I have trouble with, so maybe you can speak to this a little bit if you feel like it, is uh, I I love drinking a beer. <laughs> and so like it's, and I know, I know I can tell it's, it's the worst fucking one. Like it's the, because A, I, I'm sure that alcohol just makes it harder to burn anything else. And then B, uh, I think that, I've usually got decent self-control except when I drink and uh, you know, it's like, you know, like I'm not going out robbing banks or anything, but I will eat the hell yet. out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, so that's, I'm glad that we're bringing that up. Cause that's something definitely that I wanted. I, I mean, I touched on it a little bit, but I do want to talk about that. So, but um, I think that, uh, well, I mean, one, we know that, you lose self-control so if you are gonna drink you're gonna you're not gonna care what you eat when you do and then two it lowers your testosterone it raises your estrogen and um and then of course a pint of beer like a pint of lager is this explains my chest right now changes i'm going through i'm just gonna talk to my wife they say it's the equivalent of a sugary donut so for me i mean you know especially especially back when i was drinking I, you know, drink 30 or 40 a day. So that's, that's a lot of donuts you're drinking. 
You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. The thing, the thing for me is I have, I have a problem and I've had a problem. I have a problem and ha- I had and have a problem. So for me, it was, I can't, there's a lot of people that can drink and they never get into trouble. Nothing bad ha- happens to them. Uh, they still make rational decisions. And those are people that can sensibly drink. And I'm not one of those I'm not one of those people. And there's some people that, um, cause I always thought, so it took me a long time to realize I was an alcoholic and, um, I, I always thought growing up that it was an alcoholic is someone that is on a park bench, homeless, begging for change to get drunk. I didn't realize you could like being an alcoholic is like this broad spectrum. You know, if you were to sort of, if you were to sort of just get balladed once a week i mean you know that's i mean he's still kind of technically an alcoholic and i never realized that and i never thought i was i remember when when i got fired from wb for a drinking related thing for 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 you know touching a cop and whatnot and, and i thought one i was arrogant at the time and i thought oh because i was in a good position i thought oh i'll be fine because i'd already been arrested before that when I'd first signed uh, with WWE for a DUI. So they already knew I had a drinking problem. I was oblivious to it. I thought I was fine because I wasn't drinking every day. I was drinking occasionally, but when I drank occasionally that one time I'd end up in trouble. And so when they released me, they said, go seek some help. You know, you probably got a problem. Nah, I don't have a problem. And that's kind of how I carried on for the next 10 years. When I kind of look back at my life, I go, wow, what? and don't get me wrong i'm very grateful now and i'm in a, such a good position and i've got a great relationship and like i, I can i can um you know I, I can run a household and i sort of just grew up but i just look back at those 10 years ago why did you quit drinking 10 why did it take you 10 years and there were so many chances so many opportunities and i just honestly thought i was i was fine and i was against the world and i was angry and Drinking also helped me never deal to deal with any of my feelings. It helped me to, it helped me to just not care. And so when I did quit, because I tried to quit for several years, then finally, with, with the help of Kaylee and whatnot, it, that was it. It was, it was time, even though there was a million events that should have been the time. Um, it, yeah, it, um, I, you know, I, I'm trying to think where I'm going with this, but it, you know, like. Like I said, I just wish I'd done it a lot sooner. And um, like I said, there's people that can that can drink and, and nothing bad happens. But you know, it's and it and it, that's it. It's dealing with the emotions that was the hard part. Because once I once I finally gave it up, there was no crutch. If I got angry, there was no crutch. You know, if, if something bad happened, uh, so I, you have to deal with everything when you've not dealt with ten years of your behaviour and your emotions and what you've done to people and the friends you've lost and the marriages that, that, have, that have gone, that have gone away and the, the people that you've hurt, it's a lot to deal with. So, you know, but it like, again, it was a, the best thing that, that I ever did. And I never thought I'd be able to say, I'm, and of course I always have to be careful always, but I never thought I'd be able to get to a position where I'm like, I'm sober. I never thought I'd be able to do it. Just never, I never did. I just thought it would be absolutely impossible to quit. And so now, now I've gone the year and a half or the year and three quarters 
Um, it's I barely think about it now, except for if there's like um, an event or the friends are getting together or there's a lot of things I've had to relearn to do. Uh, if I went to the cinema before, I would drink. If I would, uh, you know, any event, I'd need to drink. I mean, even when I was at Impact, I would show up to the building. And I, at the time, I still didn't even realize I was an alcoholic, but I'd have three or four cans of Four loco that I would chug before going into work so I'd stop shaking, <laughs> you know? And, I, and it was completely normal for me at the time. I didn't think anything was wrong. I'd get into work and they'd see me and there'd be certain people that I would see there and they'd look at me and I'd have my glasses on, cover my eyes and they'd be like, go, go in there and don't be seen, you know, go get your head down somewhere. A lot of them, they didn't, they didn't enable me at the same time they wanted to protect me so it's kind of a double-edged sword but it's uh, I was the only person to blame but yeah it is when I look back at all the opportunities that I've blown all the people I've upset you know um the how people view me and think of me um it's you know like I said I wish I'd have quit 10 years ago but you know here I am now drinking a coke so I think Gary my, my point there is just um if you can, if you know, if you're a person that can drink sensibly, I mean, my dad said, you're not a person that can drink sensibly, so you can never drink. He is. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's generally, he's a very sensible chap, you know, unlike me. But, um, you know, I think if you're one of those people that can do that, then, 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 then that's fine. Um, but I think it kind of runs in my family. I mean, even my mom, you know, she's managed to sort of quit the drinking now because she had a health scare, but it's sort of in, in, and we're not using this as an excuse, but it's kind of inbuilt in the British culture, at least in my family, that drink was just normal. I mean, that I would see my parents drink every night. And when they did drink, then they'd be nicer to each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so yeah. looking back now, I, it kind of all makes a, a little bit of sense. But even my mom, you know, a lot, they're all in denial too. Like, you know, they think that, you know, drinking a bottle of wine every night is, is fine. And I'm kind of, well, I don't know. I think maybe you've got a problem if that's what you need to, that, that's what you do every night you know what I mean but they'll they'll never they'll always say they don't my, my dad doesn't really drink anymore but um yeah I think that if you can be someone that's in control of it then it's fine but then again if it's taken away like you said if you want to get into shape and if it's taken away from that then it has to go or at least it has to go for a while for you to figure out what is more important is is, is it is it you know get is it getting a buzz and and uh, not worried about your day or is it instead of turning that energy and putting it into going to the gym and, and seeing changes. So, you know, it's hard. It took me, it's taken me 10, taking me, it's taken me a decade to, to not drink. So I understand your pain. It's, uh, it's truly, it's truly a hard thing to try and not do. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, first of all, pretty bold of you to, to talk about that kind of stuff. So I appreciate you even, being willing to be open about it because it, I, I didn't expect that we necessarily would even talk about that kind of stuff or especially right not right off the top but uh but I, I think that some people need to hear that kind of stuff especially from somebody who knows um the you know like and and I'm talking about for myself honestly um just because it, it is something I'm I'm if since you're being so open, if I'm being open, it's something I'm dealing with right now. Like I'm thinking about, um, like, hey, do you I know? I know it is when I yeah when we saw each other at the last tapings. Yeah, I know. I, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's okay. I, I'm saying for, for for other people, not me, but 
for the people it's okay i just i you know i look at when people are generally sort of when they've had a drink there's there's generally you know especially if there's a level too like there's some if you're a pretty drunk there's generally there's generally something going on you know what i mean so yeah my wife my wife can see it now like right just like immediately like she could see it like she says there's like a change in my eyes me too yes the (laughs) eyes the eyes change it's like a demon takes over my body uh an evil entity that's someone told me the day they said they said that's the reason why they call it spirits because it because you're drinking and spirit gets in you and i go god that is exactly right because i i you know i this is this uh, this is a scary statement to say right but it's i can never and will never drink again because whatever takes over my body whatever possesses thomas latimer what is not me and uh, there is there is no limit to what could happen once i've had a drink i could wake up in jail uh, on a murder charge and i am you know i'm not willing to take that risk anymore that is how much it changes me as a human being you know what i mean so I, when you said the eyes i completely relate to it because i've seen that in other people too and it's harrowing that's when that's when your missus goes uh oh i've got to try and ride this next six hours out and hopefully get him to bed before you know, you know right I mean? right i mean i've been <laughs> and, and, and like you said you you earlier you were joking around and said yeah but i mean that that is something that crossed my mind my 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 thing right now is generally like if i get drunk i overeat or act you know goofier <laughs> than normal you know or like extra talkative or like i just you know i get more loving like, I'm like, oh, you're my best friend in the world and I want to hug you, you know, and that kind of thing, which is, you know, maybe to some people, okay. But sometimes like when I think back on it, I'm still, I am, I don't know. It's interesting to me because I'm, 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 I'm having these moments of like, God, you're an idiot. Like, why were you doing that? Even if I haven't had, like I said earlier, the robbing the bank moment, even some of the goofier moments, I'm just like, why were you so like loose? Like just tone it down you know so, there's something to be said for like being open but then there's another side of it that's like also having like boundaries for sure i think that um i remember i remember with ashley my ex-wife i remember we were i i again it's a blatant problem but i was at an fip wrestling show in um in ebor and this is maybe a couple of months to half a year after getting fired by the for drink i was dr- blind drunk on the show and uh, after the show, I was running around and uh, I was kissing all, all the guys and hugging them and doing the same thing. And, and actually turned around to, to, to Nick because Nick was there. And she went, it, listen, I've got to ask you, but is, is Tom gay? <laughs> 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 he's like, no, he just gets like this when he's, when he's drunk. And um, what kind of started happening to me as well, especially later on, is I would get such anxiety when I, wait, when I woke up. I would try and think, OK, who was I with? What happened? Who do I need to apologize to? And, you know, even if, like you said, it had only been a couple of drinks, I still have that fear and anxiety that I've done something wrong or I've upset someone and or I've gone on Twitter and I've said something stupid or I've commented on someone's post that I never would. And that's that's the thing. So I feel you on that because that's something that's, that really started to, to, to get to me. And if all these things are if all these things are happening, then it's then they're all signs that, yes, it is time to rethink it because I would just. Because again, I didn't want to deal with my emotions. I didn't want to feel. I wanted to be numb. 
the last thing I wanted to do is, is listen to all the warning signs. You know what I mean? Because that meant I had to look at myself in the mirror and I was terrified to do that. So I think that, yeah, again, they're all things that, that do apply to it. And I think that they're all things you definitely should at least be aware of and know that they're all, they're all things that are telling you, ah, you know, maybe, maybe if you, like I said, if you can drink, if, if you can drink um, responsibly, then, then, you know, if, if one couple of drinks every now and then with your friends, then I don't see a problem with it. But then, yeah, if it starts getting more and more and you start feeling more and more like uh, something wrong, something bad has happened or whatever, then, because a lot of it's friendly stuff. I don't run around kissing dudes. <laughs> you know, it's friendly. You know, right. there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, being overly friendly, but I understand the fear and anxiety that comes with it. And I think no matter what level of drinker you are, you would feel that too. No, man, it's, uh, I did not mean for us to like sit down today. And I don't know if you intended on having a therapy session, but here we are. Oh, <laughs> but, no, I, so I don't, I don't talk about it. I never have. Like I said, this is the first podcast that I've done in years. In fact, maybe this is the first proper podcast I've ever done. I've kept very quiet. And uh, you're not I've kidding. I, I tried of... to research you a little bit, and there's like there's you don't too many interviews. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing, and you know, and I think that a lot of uh, you know a lot of people um, they might see that as negative. I don't know. I, I just after all the things that have happened to me, I've kind of worn. I've kind of closed off a little bit. I, uh, you know, with, it's hard to not, I can't and, and don't see and, and won't see. I try to not see any negativity just because it's, you know, it's hard. Everything that's happened to me the last sort of 10 years, you know, it's, it's been tough, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's not, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what my point is here, but, yeah, like I've just been so closed off. So I'm happy that we do get to have this time and talk. And it's also helping me, which you've talked about too, helping me sort of get over that. And I, I just sort of shut down, shut off from everything, um, you know, just to sort of protect my own sort of mental health. And, um, you know, I think that now is a good time to talk about it. And if no, and if, and if no one gets anything out of it, at least they know that it's okay to have a drink problem and it's uh and it's normal and millions of people go through it and i was someone that i never thought never in a million years thought i could be sober and i'm sober so i know and i like i said i would and it's gonna sound terrible but i would drink drive every day i'd wake up i would i would i wouldn't stop i'd be wrestling and promoters would have to give me a drink because they were scared i'd die you know, from if I didn't have enough drink. And I look back and it's just madness. I go, how did, how did I never get pulled over? How did I never, how did I not, I don't know. I, I, I remember times where I'd be doing drugs, drinking by myself in hotel rooms, you know, sobbing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, who is this? Who is this person? So for me, for me, knowing that what I was like, I know it can be done. So if anyone's going to get anything from this, it's just that if you are struggling with, any sort of dependency and whatnot, you can do it. I'm someone that shouldn't have done it, and it took me ten years to do it, but it can it can be done. So, like I said, that's again, it's something that I don't want to um, don't want to sound patronising or anything. But uh, I, you know, I am glad that we get to talk about it because I don't think it's something that that people know, uh, people know. And I also feel like it's kind of a weird thing where it's like it's not anyone's 
business and why should I put it out there? At the same time, too, um, you know, if it, like I said, if it helps other people, then then so be it. You know. I think it's I think it's a, a lot of different reasons why um, people wouldn't want to bring it up. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's embarrassing. There's embarrassing moments that happen because of it. Uh, so it takes a lot of bravery for like you know you even talk about it. But there's also the side of it that's like people don't want to admit. Um, they don't want to have to face it. Like you, you said this earlier, but you have to look in the mirror and see that you're the one doing this. And and people don't want to do that. People don't want to think people, people want to believe they're stronger than that, or they're, they're tough and that they're, they've got the mental wherewithal. They don't, they're not the person that's dealing with that. You know, they didn't go set a house on fire because they got drunk. So it's not really, you know that that I can, I'm in control of this thing, so once once it once it starts to affect other people, like mine always has, then it's time to to say enough's enough. You know what I mean? If you if you're just hurting yourself, then that's fine. But if if there's casualties because of your actions and your behaviour, then it's time to. It's like now with, with my eating. You know, if if I decide to spend the day eating the you know, eating tons of ice cream and Oreo bars. It's only me that suffers because I'm the one that has to go down to the gym and, you know, it's not, you know, Kay doesn't have to look over her shoulder to see my eyes turn red, <laughs> you know, or black, whatever, whatever, however. They yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. So so what what do you think it's, I mean, is it this stuff with uh, where you're, I mean, what what is it about your life right now that's like got you um willing to come out and do interviews like this one or or that you know well, even, like you uh, just immediately like opened up talking about this stuff like what what's what is it i think it's been boiling in me for for a while um it really it it, it has and it's um that it's sort of i just sound i feel like i sound pretty dumb but i mean it's just like i said i'm just blown away with I just wish I, I wish I could have been me now when I was 24. You know what I mean? I've burnt every bridge. I've, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, walked away from every opportunity. I've, you know, upset a lot of people. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, um, it's just, I feel like, I don't know. And I think maybe a little bit of it is I want people to, to to see to 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 know me a little bit more and i think that when i'm not if you don't a lot of people do podcasts a lot of people talk a lot of people do interviews and it helps people understand you and know that they're human and i think i always in my mind i always had this illusion of like you know undertaker like you know he's he's supposed to be this dead man no one you know you're not supposed to be able to tweet him you know he's he's unattainable and he's untouchable and he's this big real life superstar and times have changed and I always thought I want to be that wrestler, like say, like New Jack or Sabu or whoever, right? You know, the guys that they go, "Oh, I'm not too sure about this guy." Like yeah. maybe, maybe he's legit. I mean, Sabu gets it all the time. I spoke to him a while back, and he's like, "Oh man, every time I've got a wrestler kid that that really actually beat me up, and I'm I'm like, please, it's it's the work, brother. It's the work because he did such a good job back in the day of proving to people that he was a lunatic people that still to this day are scared of him and thinking oh if i get in the ring with him i need to lay in because that's how he does it no it's an illusion that the art of pro wrestling is making it look like you're hurting someone when you're not um and so i always had that i always had that sort of thing where it was it was idiotic to think but i always thought too like 
okay, I'm going to take this character, Bram, or whoever I am, and with the outside bad stuff that happens in my life, I can conjoin the two. And I think back in the day, maybe it would have worked better and times have changed. But my, you know, I thought in my mind, well, this is going to be even better. You know, people are going to think that I'm a lunatic <laughs> when I'm out of the ring as well as in. And it didn't work out the way that I thought it would. You know what I mean? Like it, it did, it, you know, people do read and have seen and been around me. There's plenty of people that have been around me at shows and plenty of people that have been disgusted by, by my behavior and the things that I've done. And in, in my mind at the time, being how I was, I just thought it was playing into the into the thing you know like you can't you can't really do that there needs to be two sides to you you know like i said time times have changed now i just always thought i want to be that unattainable wrestler i want people to question whether you know who i am is real or not and um, i mean there was even a time at um, icw which was one of my favorite independent promotions in the uk uh, insane championship wrestling and um, it was kind of a throwback to the to the sort of ecw days almost and now I've in my element there because you can swear, you can drink beer, you can jump off stuff, you can bleed. It, you know, it's no hard barred, or at least it was. And, um, you know, and I remember doing this angle where I was wrestling, uh, wrestling one, of the, one of the guys, great guy. Um, and, he, um, and, he, uh, and he wanted me to, to hard weigh him, right? So we're having this cage match. We've had this feud where I've broken up his wedding and whatnot. And um, I end up, he, he wants me to shoot, punch him in the face. So I'm trying to punch him in the face to open him up, right? Right. And I probably had too many drinks. So, of course, I carry on a little bit. But he's okay with it. This is what he wants. But his eye ends up out here, right? And he's all a mess. And then he goes online, he tweets about it. And, and we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to, you know. And then, and then he did a promo where he talked about my past arrests and all the kind of stuff. And we thought, this is going to be money. People legitimately think I'm a, I'm a douchebag and he's playing into it too. This is going to be a, a wild, people are going to be all over this. But instead it was completely shit on and people were appalled by it and they were appalled with how we tried to use that as an angle and everything like that. Because I thought, well, it, at the time I thought, well, it's an incident that happened to me and it's something that is, uh, is a touchy subject, but it's something that happened to me and I, and I wanted to sort of, uh, you know, own it. And at the same time, I thought maybe it would turn into a good angle. And it didn't. It actually made everything even even worse, you know. So I think now it's now for me, it's more um, I need to show another side of me um, uh, that's not that's a normal human being. And, uh, you know, and not uh, not a deranged, not a deranged lunatic, at least not anymore. You know, so and also I've been scared to I mean, as much as it's me wanting people to know that i've changed it's it's definitely also like um it's it's scary it's it's scary to uh you know to sort of admit all that and also and um sort of let people in especially when i've been so guarded and i've not wanted to i've reaped out of fear of you know what people are going to think and what people are going to say so you know it's kind of a mixture of two it's 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 time to open up, it's time to talk, and it's time to, um, you know, it's time to, to uh, at least sort of uh, paint a new, paint a new chapter. And, and um, you know, I, I, you know, I've got a dog that loves me very much. I'm getting married. I, I have a full-time job. Like, I'm not this, um, I'm not this uh, maniac anymore, you know? Yeah. I don't know. 
I'm bad at explaining it because I'm sure that all sounds really wrong, but um, it's just, I need to be, I need to um, do what everyone else does and um, be, be okay at speaking and be okay at voicing my opinion and be okay at criticism and all these other sorts of things. And like I said, I've just been shut down for so long that I've just been scared to you. And, and you may have been talking about this podcast for, for a couple of years, haven't we? Yeah, so that's yeah. how that's how long it's that's how long it's taken for me to sort of be in this position where yeah I'm okay with it you know um no listen man I I, I think and, and this podcast taking so long like you're you're helping me too and and I, and I don't mean just because you're on it I mean because I I was doing interviews and that's where anybody started to give a shit who I was at all ever and uh it was I've always like you from day one Oh, well, I felt the same way with you, but I'm saying like, even <laughs> online or like to, 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 for this to ever be a thing, like, because, you know, one of the things I've enjoyed with, I'm trying not to go off on too many tangents here, but one of the things I've always enjoyed with like talking about wrestlers, one thing that I always respect about you guys is that you, uh, for better or worse, dropped everything and pursued you, you pursued Sorry. your, no, you're good, man. Uh, Nick, guess who, the, guess who was guess who was calling? Who was calling? Nick. Nick. That's what a wanker. What a wanker. <laughs> like I told Kaylee, I said, I'm doing the podcast with Gary now. Oh, okay. So he knows. All right. That's, uh, I think, was he trying to get on the Skype? Was he trying to get on the Zoom call? I, I'm texting you, him right you're, now. You're interrupting our, our podcast, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I said, you can't have him. He's with me. Perfect. <laughs> 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 But now we're going to get a million texts coming through. <laughs> but so what was it? Oh, so so what I was thinking of was that um, I love doing the interviews because I respect you guys so much. All all of you, like Nick, you, uh, Kaylee, everybody that's pursued like something that they felt passionate about. Because I lived my whole life, um, you know, not not that I haven't been passionate about things and done something, but you know, I'm, I'm still one of these guys that I'm at the age I'm at now doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm just in a job where I'm like, oh, this is what you do. And, and I'm not saying it always works out, but I'm saying that I've never had the opportunity to say like, oh, here's something I've always loved. I've always loved pro wrestling. Like I've always loved it my whole entire life since I'm like three. So it's like, why could I ever do anything else with it besides sitting on my couch, just watching it, which is okay. But for some reason, when you're questioning like your career path, you're like, man, if I'd have really started working at 18, you know, like yeah. who knows? I, I could have been busting my ass too and been in the ring against Tom Latimer, or I could have at least been on commentary with Joe Galley, or I could have, you know, like who knows? And so anyway, all that to say, when I started doing these interviews, I loved talking to you guys, but I also felt like, it can't just be about feeling good that I've got Tom Latimer on my show. Like it's gotta be like, there's gotta be something else important. Like what's the thing that they make me think of that I can hopefully help other people see too. And there, there's gotta be something extra where it benefits everybody that benefits the people listening. It benefits you. It benefits me. It it's if, if that all makes sense. Anyway, yeah. you talking to you, has helped me like get back into the groove of like what I would like to accomplish with this thing is to let people know 
who these people are, who, who you see on TV, you know, that sort of thing, like to really not just, and we're going to, I trust me, anybody who's listening, we'll, we'll, I promise I'm going to ask Tom Latimer wrestling questions. <laughs> but, but, but we've uh, we've been we're sitting here talking about we're having a personal podcast <laughs> I know. but we're we're sitting here talking about all this stuff but i mean that was part of what I, I wanted was i was like you know tom latimer i feel like is a person i i looked i looked all over online i went people don't know tom latimer not the same tom latimer i know not and and i'm not saying i know you like the best in the world but i know the tom latimer i met i first met you at crockett cup 2019 and uh, I'll never forget it. Just like my wife and I, we paid for the VIP and we got in there and we were sitting there and you and Kaylee and Royce came and sat with us and we just started chatting it up. I also remember the first thing you ever said to me and, <laughs> and, and, oh. you, and you probably wouldn't even remember, but it was, it was, we were sitting there and I didn't watch TNA. So I didn't watch TNA and I didn't, I didn't know who you were. I honestly <laughs> didn't. And, uh, and I didn't I don't think I remember was. Yeah, and I didn't know who Kaylee was. And so I thought I was being nice, but now looking back, I'm like, this is probably kind of insulting. But <laughs> I was sitting there and I was just like, so who are you guys? I don't, I don't know who you guys are. <laughs> and you were like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, I was like, fair point. <laughs> Oh, no, you're not supposed to remember stuff like that, guy. <laughs> and I was like, I felt like a jackass because I was like, oh, man. I, I thought, it's one of those things like you carry with you later. You're just like, why, why the fuck did I say that? Oh, yeah. I've <laughs> got a million of those. <laughs> but uh, and anyway, so we, we sat there, though. You guys hung out with us and you guys made my wife feel like she was welcome and she was totally out of her element she's watched wrestling you know she has her people that she likes but she uh she's never been like a huge mark for wrestling or anything and so but you guys made her care about that whole show and be invested and like that was and it was it was you and Kaylee and, and Royce like you guys just made her feel like a million bucks being there and so I've never forgotten that you guys were awesome um but and so she always like no matter what even if she's not watching nwa power that week she's like uh what did tom do what did camille do <laughs> <laughs> like you know she wants to know what happened with you guys and so uh all of, i don't know anyway i just always thought I that think, was interesting i think that maybe then we're halfway we're partly to blame for your um for your for your podcast and for you jumping uh, into it maybe if it had been horrible to you um the, the podcast and everything else wouldn't have started and you wouldn't have been a wrestling fan and she could have a nice life without wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that may be true. May yeah. be true. But, but it's also helped back up the idea that uh, when I got an opportunity to go to like the, the power tapings or something like that, she, she just says, cool. okay. You know, yeah. she's like, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Go, go see all those. And then when I get back, the first questions are, did you talk to Tom? Did you talk to Roy? Did you talk to Camille? <laughs> you know, like it's always like that kind of stuff. So, uh, but I mean, it's good, guy. And like you said before, like, um, you, you know, you, you sort of had a deal where you are like, you know, I'm a certain age, I really like this, and I never did this. You know, the last thing you want to do is have a look back and regret. <laughs> I laugh about that because I do, but I mean, the last thing you want to do is look back and sort of regret or wish you'd have done something, you know. What, um, so it's better late than never, and. Uh, it's, or, you know, what you're doing is, is invaluable and also, you know, and you've become 
you are part of the family and you and um you help you help them more than that they know so um you know what i mean and and then you know you're you're a part of it too so i think you know uh it's a good thing and like i said it's better to do it better late than never but i understand how you know how you how you feel i do i on a daily basis kind of have that i had a friend today um an old friend sent me a picture of me i don't know where he got it from i didn't even know it was taken of this is 11 years ago 10 11 years ago of back in fcw lay i'm laying on i'm laying on the ring with the raw apron and uh titus sat there next to me and there's some other guy in the picture and he sent me and said look what i've just found i went where did that picture come from you know so i i also feel the you know when you when you you do you do look back and you're like man like you know like i, I you know yeah you uh trying to think what the the right word is but with not regret well kind of regret but i understand what you're saying when you go you know what like it's go time i need to figure out something fast and get you know get doing what i want to do and that's kind of the situation that you're in right now and i'm in because uh, looking at that picture i go that's 10 years ago like i was 24 thought i'd stay 24 forever and be a millionaire and have action figures and wrestle at wrestlemania and all that and it didn't it didn't come true and now i'm 34 and uh <laughs> there's a small window left so i feel you on the on that like um I'm, I'm in the same position when it comes to uh kind of scrambling to sort of um do what i what i what i love and and do it in the way that i wanted it and it to be how i envisioned it and it probably never will be just like for you it probably never will be if say if you want to be a pro wrestler but you know at least chasing a dream chasing a dream is better than not having one Starting now, you're you're still going to end up somewhere. I I already have, and I mean, and and you as well. I mean, we, if we'd have just not done anything, and even if I just started like three or four years ago, uh, I'm still hanging out talking to you right now. That's not something that would have happened if I hadn't finally just lit a fire under my ass and started right. moving and doing something. Um, for you, um, I mean that, like it's it's. I, I get it, man. It's it's tough, and the, and the internet is notoriously just will beat you into submission if you let it. And it's like it's it's a it's a rough place sometimes. It's very toxic, and uh, I I spend a lot of time on Twitter just to promote this kind of stuff. But I see conversations every day. I have to avoid just because like you want to say something, but then you're like, this will go nowhere. It I, does I, not I, matter. Yeah. <laughs> I avoid it like the plague. If you were to, if anyone, if anyone who listens to this follows me on Twitter, I'm sorry that I don't tweet. I just, uh, I retweet. Uh, I don't put my opinion or my feelings out there because it's not where I, you know, when I, before when I was a drunk several years ago, I wouldn't care. I'd have put on whatever and I don't care. Give me all your hate. Whereas now I sound like a, a bit of a wuss, but I mean, I get one, one, one snarky comment. <laughs> it messes up my whole day. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, like it crushes me. It crushes me, and I don't, you know. And everyone, everyone goes this, and everyone has it. And there's people that are way, way more. I'm not notable at all, but there's so many other people that you sort of get that, and and um, you know. So who am I to be moaning about it? It's just, um, it's just. I just, yeah. Twitter, I just can't. Instagram is is sort of my safe place. If you follow me on there, like I'm, I'm, a, I can be me. But uh, Twitter is definitely a place that I, I avoid, and I, I would. Kaylee got rid of hers for, her, you know, for to, for her mental health, um, 
and she's 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 like loving life without it. I tell her stuff. She's like, oh, I don't know. I don't have Twitter. I'm not sure. Yeah. She, you know, yeah, she was. Uh, you could tell she. I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for her doing whatever she needs to do, but she was she was definitely quick to fire back on people. It was fun watching it too, but <laughs> it was. And she can get away with that. I can't. I, you know, I can't. I, even if even if it was 110, percent I've corrected what I'm saying. I can't ever say anything, and and I've accepted that, and I understand it. But yeah, it's definitely a, a place that I that I don't um, I don't hang about on. So I, I understand. I, I know what you're saying. It's perfectly. It makes sense. I guess um, I'm just even mentioning it just because, like, I get you being hesitant to put yourself out there because there's, there's, this, this so will much. This, this this will generate. I, I'd be very surprised if it didn't generate uh, some level of negativity. And so you have to remember too. I also feel I don't want to put that negativity on you or what you're doing or your brand or anything else. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there is a level of that. It's a level of, you know, if you're going to stick your neck out and give me a platform to voice my opinion and speak, at the same time, I don't want them to, for it to sabotage or, or um, you know, uh, affect you. You know what I mean? So it's kind Maybe of- Maybe we're too of, old to care, Tom. Like, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like at this point, I've already gotten more out of this than I ever expected to get. And, uh, and, and also- I, I again we'll, we'll talk about wrestling in a second i'm not trying to be super cheesy here but you've been really good to me and so has kaylee and uh so in the nwa just everybody there has been so awesome nick all of you and so i i'm not i don't i don't give a shit what anybody else thinks honestly about that kind of stuff like i know who i deal with and who i talk to and so that stuff doesn't matter to me it, it's uh you know anyway long story short who gives a shit but <laughs> the, uh, people are going to say what they're going to say and i've learned so far just immediately that especially on twitter they, somebody will say they will talk shit like it just happens it just no matter what some people have they just live to create turmoil like just, <laughs> that's what they're there for i don't know i don't know how people get off of that but that's Anyway. No, that's the Instagram. Instagram all the way. <laughs> so when you were at Crockett Cup, let's talk about something wrestling related. Was that the first time you met Royce, by the way? So, uh, yeah. Well, not, uh, not there, but it, we, he came in uh, a day. Uh, to, uh, it was either a day or two days. I feel like it was a day earlier. And I'd never met him before. And uh, so Nick's like, oh, I know this guy. I think I've re- I think I wrestled him out in California. His name's Royce Isaacs. He's like, he's like, you're gonna, you're gonna tag. Like, oh, all right, <laughs> whatever. And uh, so he came, and luckily he was great. We hit off straight away because you always worry about that. You do need a level of chemistry. Or you need to, you do generally need to like your tag partner at least at the, at the start. Um, you know, most, you know, as you, see, I mean, me and Royce have always liked each other. That's not my point. It's just obviously when tag teams are together for a long time, eventually they start hating each other. But yeah, you've got to hit it off the bat, and we did. So um, we. Uh, we had the school that I was running, so we we ended up grabbing a few of the, our students, my students, and uh, you know used them for bodies for me and Royce to come up with different finishes and this and this and this. Um, so um, so we did we, we we planned out at least a bunch of matches, uh, sorry, a bunch of moves and things that we wanted to do. We thought, right, we're going to come in, knock out the gate. We've got you know six hours for you and me to come up with some stuff alone, and then when we get to Crockett Cup, we'll be able to you know do our thing. 
Um, and we'd even got with, because we knew we were wrestling Crimson and Jacks. We kind of knew more or less who we were going to wrestle-ish. But we knew we were wrestling them. And so Crimson and Jacks, at least I think Jacks was there too, they were in town. So they came down to, and we, we literally went through a match and we sort of planned all this stuff together. And we thought, well, it's Ring of Honor. They're a bit more, they like their moves a bit more. Uh, so, and I'm someone that doesn't really have or do any moves. And so we thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. We'll try and add that stuff and make it their kind of a star match. So their Ring of Honor crowd would sort of uh, appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> Then when we get to the show, we've got, and I've known Joey Mercury for 10 years. He was one of my coaches in, um, in developmental. And I learned a lot, a lot from Joey. Um, you know, we didn't, we, we, we didn't see eye to eye all the time. Um, but I mean, he, he was, he was generally pretty good to me, uh, but he was our agent and he wanted us to do nothing. He, he, you know, he, we'd sort of, we'd come up with all these ideas and shot them all down. And then he was, we pretty much had to, we would like get ready to go out. Like, I think we were wrestling Bandido and, um, and uh, what's his name? Flip, Flip Gordon. And uh, before we're going out, they're like, nope, don't like it, change it. <laughs> As we're going out, like, all right, let's figure this out. And uh, so it just wasn't what, it was just the Crockett Cup wasn't what me and, me and Royce were, we, we got all the way through to the end and we were pretty disappointed with it because we, we'd, we'd, we'd spent all this time coming up with some stuff and we really, you know, we wanted to, and it was fine. They, they, you know, we did what we were told. Joey was our agent. So we're going to do, I, I'm going to do, if you're my agent, I'll do whatever you say. But it was slightly disappointing. We kind of got through it and went, it, we literally, we were, yeah, we got all the way through, but no one cared and no one, we were heels anyway, but there wasn't anything where, it, where that we weren't allowed to do anything, which is not that you need to do stuff with heels, but at the same time, there needs to be a level of, we're dealing with a Ring of Honor crowd that, that they like that stuff. And if you're not going to give it them, they kind of, you know, they don't, they kind of look at you as, eh. So we kind of left a little bit de deflated. You know, we worked five times that night. And um, yeah, it was, it, we kind of just went, oh, well, that could have been better. You know, it was just a, just one of those things, like everyone else got to sort of do what they want. And we were told we can't. And like I said, we, we did as we were told, but we were definitely a little bit disappointed when we, when we left there. Do you mean like you you didn't feel like you stood out in some way? That... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's hard to describe. We just, we we ended up just having to get through it because we weren't, every, every idea that we had was shut down or they didn't want this or that or we were told to do stuff in the match, which I'm used to, I'm used to getting cues anyway. So, but it, it was just like... Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what we shouldn't have done this, but in our mind, we had it going a certain way and or being able to show who we are. And that was kind of taken away from us. So we thought, yeah, we showed up and yeah, we, 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 we got through to the, to the end, but no one, no one's going to care generally through the performance. You know what I mean? I just, I was just a little bit upset that we, we, we were just sort of, we couldn't, which it kind of made sense because we're two random people that get thrown together, but you have to also, let us do a little bit of something that people are going to care for. And they didn't. Yeah. Just something to remember you by basically. Um, it's something like we, we just, we just kind of felt, well, we just, we did as we were told, but there wasn't, there was nothing that was ours. Like there's nothing that we could be all our, everything was shut. There was nothing that we could give to make it any better. It was all, no, you're not allowed to. Gotcha.
that's interesting um that um but at least i mean you did make it through you won the tag team championship so you can at least you, yeah you we went, get, you got some yeah, redemption we went, we went yeah we went back and, and we won them and all that kind of stuff me and royce he's got another tag partner i think he recently did a match a couple of matches on AEW dark with his with his original um tag partner and they work better anyway i mean yeah, me and me and Royce are close, and we text um, every now and then and whatnot. But we didn't necessarily. We're two very sort of different people, um, and two different people in the ring. So we did our best to try and make it what it was. But you know, you you know, the like I said, the guy that he tags with now, they've got all their moves down, they've got their thing down, and their sort of style. And Royce is very much going to be Royce, and I'm very much going to be me. So it was kind of. Um, it wasn't we didn't exactly you know gel as a as a team we were just we just looked like two single guys t- tagging the entire time you know and mm-hmm. and you're gonna get that sometimes you made your debut with the nwa right like, i feel like i'm working backwards here but you were at the pop-up event right like it's yeah, a- i i just i arrived in clarksville uh the night before so that was so i so that was um yes that was uh i was there a day before and then I never, then, then I stayed here. That's crazy. Oh, so that was like you coming back from the UK. Like, it- yeah, that was literally me coming back from the UK. Yeah. So oh, it was wow. really cool because I came out and I was surprised and I sound like a, a mark here, but I came out, there was a good reaction. Normally I'm here and I came out and I got a baby face pop. So I was like, oh, that's cool, you know? And so it was, uh, it was fun, especially because Billy sort of was like, yeah, you're back in town. Let's get you like rolling with the NWA, I was like, lovely, you know, because I, I needed, I wanted something to come back to. Um, when I came back, I also, Impact also offered me a deal too. Um, I went to one of their shows and I did like a match on um, Explosion or, or whatever it was called. And uh, to get in front of Don Callis and um, Scott Demore, because it'd been a few years since I'd seen me, even though I used to work for the company. And they did offer me a deal and I thought, well, I want to see what, what the NWA, you know, what's going on with that first. I didn't want to, I'd had sort of like such a bit of a rough ride for working for them the years before, but I thought, I don't know if I want to jump right back into that. I need to sort of see what else there is or at least spread my wings somewhere else and try and, you know, do my own thing. So that's, that's what I end up doing then is just eventually going with NWA instead. Yeah. Um, and if I talk too long, Tom, you tell me to shut the hell up and, <laughs> Hey, can I, can I, I'm going to put a pause this, boop, I'm just going to go for a piss, go. Oh, that's fine, you I can, can pause, can I can pause on, on Zoom. You can air this on YouTube if you want, that you'll be able to hear my stream. <laughs> take, take the phone with you. Yeah, yeah you want to see, come on. <laughs> so, when you joined, like, I get what you're saying with, like, impact and everything, so, when you when you decided to roll with the NWA, did you have, like, expectations of what that would be, or you were just... Like you said, just you wanted to see what it was about and you were going in nothing on your mind necessarily. Um, no, I just uh, I knew that I knew that something was happening. Um, I can't think I can't think if I sort of knew there was definitely something happening or there was talks. I, I can't remember what it was. I just knew that it was going on. And um, and at some point there will be something you know um so i'd i'd see you know nick had been sort of running with 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 the nwa and i spent a bit i'd wrestle him a few times for it in the uk when he, he was sort of in its early infant stages he would go around the uk and go around the world or whatever defending it and, and so i knew there was something at some point was going to happen 
but it was just a question of a question of waiting. So um, I, I can't remember. I, I think I feel like there was there was a pop up before that too that when I was away, I just feel like there was a sort of grumbling of at some point there'll be some form of TV or some form of uh, streaming or, or whatever on its way. So for me, I didn't want to end up being then tied down for three years somewhere else and miss out on the opportunity. I gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so again, I feel like I'm working backwards, but I, I, I am curious, like when, when you were talking about earlier, like your parents and stuff, when you were telling them like you were going to get into wrestling and everything, it sounds like you got a good relationship with them and all of that. And they thought it was like, I think you said like walking on the moon or something like that. Yeah, sure. You're oh, yeah. WWE. Um, totally. I mean, you, you kind of covered like, I mean, as far as how you felt when you, lost that opportunity but like i mean what was that like for you like because what would you do like 10 10 years probably in the business before you got into wwe or like did you grow up a wrestling fan were you always a wrestling fan and this was always a dream or it's something that came up at the end and i'm sorry i'm asking you a bunch of things all at once but well it all, it's all kind of the same thing but yeah no it's um so i didn't have my parents I won't say we're poor, but we we were, we didn't we didn't have we didn't have that much money, and so Sky or at least cable uh, was a luxury that you know it was definitely a luxury and it's a luxury that we weren't going to have. I, I kind of grew up in a household that um, you know uh, that would be a sort of luxury that um, you know would be frowned upon or uh, or or you know if I was a kid, most kids want to go to Disneyland when they're a kid. My parents would be like, oh, we're not going to go there. <laughs> you know what I mean, like. Right. It was, it was kind of, it wasn't kid unfriendly, but it wasn't like all the other kids got to do that kind of stuff or, you know, they, they, you know, their parents let them buy Power Rangers or whatever. And I wasn't, and you know what I mean? Maybe that's why I ended up becoming a pro wrestler, but you know, and it, so I, I, it was, it was sheltered to a degree at the same time. My parents just weren't kind of into that and not to make them sound sort of outdated, but um, so we didn't have cable. So I would, so this is kind of weird so i remember walking into school one day and all the kids are doing like um, butterfly butterfly suplexes on their backpacks right, right. I'm like what's this? And they're telling me about this wrestling oh and i'm like, oh, okay and, and i you know then there's sort of the boom but this is like 97 98 or something like that that I'm, all the kids are messing about with stuff and of course i'm still clueless to it and um, and eventually, I'm at my grandma's house, right? And my grand hated pro wrestling. My granddad hated pro wrestling too. Like, oh, this is bloody stupid! Why are they hitting each other with barbed wire bats? This is but this is crap, you know. So they 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 hated. It. They thought it was dumb, even though I loved it. And I found a tape of WrestleMania Eight, Hogan versus uh, Sid, right? For yeah. some reason, this tape was in their house, like it was a recorded VHS. And I pull it out, I'm like, what? WrestleMania 8? What the hell? And there's no reason. To this day, they don't know why it's there. There is no reason why that WrestleMania tape should have been in my grandparents' house. They hated wrestling. So my grand could only put it down to maybe someone at the pub gave it to my granddad. You know, he just got it and tossed it away. But uh, so I got into it then, and then other friends would sort of lend me tapes and whatnot. So, um, you know, and then, and then I finally got my hands on, like, this would be 98, King of the Ring. And then, and then obviously King of the Ring changed like it did for most people's uh, opinion on pro wrestling. I went, whoa, uh, this is something I have to do. And then I kind of went in and out of it for a long time. And I, I would spend like evenings at friends and whatnot to try and be able to watch it. Cause like I said, we didn't have Sky or I'd try and get them to tape it for me. or I'd have to trade tapes or whatever. And um, 
Yeah, I think so. Jeff Hardy is my favorite wrestler of all time. Luckily, I've got to wrestle Jeff and get to know Jeff quite a bit over the years. So that's pretty cool. Especially if you, if I was a twelve-year-old boy and you were telling me, "Hey, you're gonna do X, Y, Z with Jeff Hardy and hang out with him," I mean, you know, text him stuff like that. As a twelve-year-old, that would have blown my mind, you know. So when I, I sometimes you got to look up, you got to take a step back and look like, you know, it's pretty cool, like kind of how stuff works out or whatever. Especially as the the the, the child fan that I was. So when I saw Jeff Hardy, the Hardy Boys, that was it. My heart was set on, on pro wrestling. You know, that's kind of, that's in short, the sort of tail on me. I think really, the heart, once the Hardy Boys came along. I even saw good. you break out the swanton a couple of times, like through a table on the outside of the ring, like which is not something you normally see from a guy. Like <laughs> no, you got to do it occasionally. That was a big show. You know, no one yeah. cared. I mean, that was my <laughs> shout out to Jeff. Yeah. I mean, how do you end up in the WWE from the UK? Like, I mean, did you just make the decision to come over here or like what? Yeah, no. So back then it was, uh, it was sort of a closed door on it. It's not like it is now. I mean, it's crazy how different it is now. Uh, when I was there, there was only a few that had sort of been picked up in previous years. Um, and uh, so my, so I was trained so my training when I turned 17 or 18, my official training, because I was wrestling a little bit before that uh, with an underground federation in Birmingham, and they were untrained. They let me wrestle on the shows untrained. No one really came to watch. It was, you know, it was, uh, you know, a bit of a shit show, as you'd say. But as a, as a 16-year-old boy, because that's when I started wrestling for them, you know, it was awesome. And I need to dig out my old tapes because I need to show you because it's just the worst thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and I literally Jeff dressed like Jeff Hardy and want to be Jeff Hardy. Nice. But um, so when I was 18, I moved to Harrogate, which is next door to Leeds. And, and it Leeds, that's where I met Drew McDonald and Jeff Kane. And they had a wrestling school and it was this crummy gym in in uh, in leeds i mean the place was falling apart and upstairs there was like four or five mats on the concrete and that's how i broke in that was my training i did everything on those mats from bumping to, to the lot i learned on mats i didn't get the privilege of wrestling in a wrestling ring i learned the hard way you know you learn to fall correctly quick when you're learning on a thin mat and concrete you know it's almost a bit like Stu hart's dungeon almost um so I started training. Jeff Kay and Drew McDonald were world sport veterans and guys on TV from that era. Jeff was an old man by the time he started training me. And Jeff was really close to Fit Finley, right? That I think, like, feel like Jeff, Jeff had known him for a long time and they'd done a million tours of GME together. And I feel like almost like Jeff helped him find his wife, something like that. I can't really remember. Like, there's some sort of story there. And uh, so Jeff, every time Fit was in town, would take the trainees so uh he's other trainees and we're all we're all kids you know we're all like say 17 18 or whatever and so they've been going for a while so i managed to find this wrestling school that no one knew of no one went to but somehow an affiliation with wwe i mean it was just by the grace of god and so i actually was trying out from 05 to 010 so i would go every time they were wwe were in town and i would try out and i you know, they would they would never tell me anything. And it was scary as hell. And Undertaker, Triple H, all the guys would be out there watching. And it was back then when, you know, I thought that I had to do moonsaults. So I was out there doing moonsaults and all this daft stuff. And obviously, they didn't care for it. And I think for a year, I quit. I did. I eventually, it was, a, it was the, if this would have been 07. So I think in 05, I had a match on uh, WWE Heat, where it was me and a friend of mine. And we're 18, I'm 18. 
and we're wrestling Snitsky and Tomko. And I remember being in that ring going, holy shit. Like, here I am. I'm in a WWE ring. I'm 18, year old, 18 years old. And they and I think Snitsky nails me with a big boot, right? And 12,000 12, people, or how many people in the audience just go, oh. And I remember lying there on the mat going, holy shit. And I remember looking up and seeing the WWE, WWE logo on the turnbook. And I went, I'm here. I'm doing it. Like, in my mind, I'm going, I'm getting closer to the moon. You know what I mean? I'm like, holy shit, I shouldn't be here. I'm, plus, I've been in the business like six months, like learning on maps in six months. And then six months later, I'm, I'm in a WWE ring on TV. I'm going, what the fuck? So 07 comes along, and um, it's, the same, it's the same trial that Seamus drew, uh, Wade Barrett. Uh, sorry, yeah, Seamus drew Wade. Uh, and there's a few other lads as well that you wouldn't know the names. It's two of them were from my training camp. There's only three or four of us. They all got hired, but me that that day. Um, oh, they, all, all of them got hired, and then once I'd realised everyone got hired but me, I had a phone call from uh, my boss at my real job. I used to work in the CD shop, and he went, "Tom, the, the shop's going into liquidisation. You don't have a job anymore." And I went, oh, "I went, you are joking." So I lost my job, and I didn't get hired. Or everyone else got hired but me. Everyone else is going to America except for me. So I gave up. I went screw this this obviously isn't for me they obviously don't care for me they don't want me screw it so i cut off my hair i got a job as a security guard you know and i just gave up for a year and i was still really young but at the time so i've been wrestling from you know 16 to and been consistently sort of wrestling and and every weekend i'd always be at the big town halls doing all the shows and everything because Jeff also was affiliated with a local promoter and he ran a lot of big shows. There'd be 1,200 people every night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I, so I would do that the weekends and then I would do my normal jobs for the week. And so if for some reason in wrestling, like six months feels like six years, but it just felt like I've been trying forever. And, uh, you know, I just, I just went, well, you know, I'm 21 now. Obviously they don't want me, so I gave up. So I remember watching SmackDown and seeing like Jeff Hardy versus Spanky or something. And I'm sat there and I'm going, what am I doing as a security guard? I'm not happy. I'm living, you know, I'm in this, this crummy little house, you know. Um, I'm just like, I need to, I need to try it again. So I end up going back out and sort of getting in better shape. And I started wrestling for Brian Dixon. And uh, I think I might have been wrestling for Brian before. I can't remember, but it was it was around my <clears throat> between the ages of 18 and 20 and that's when i came across nick and rampage brown and a lot of my other friends that i've been friends with throughout the business and so with brian you could wrestle seven days a week for him on the on the holiday camp so i was wrestling so i you know quit my job well whatever job i was doing at the time and i worked full time for brian uh and then i would get again i would go to WWE tryouts and jeff my old trainer who was getting on an age had made the other two lads sign contracts saying that if you get hired by WWE and you want me to sign it too, if you get hired by WWE, I get um, 20% of your earnings for your entire run in WWE. So of course those lads signed it. And I remember thinking I've paid for my training. They never paid for their training. I've paid for my training. Why should I give you 20% of my future earnings for the rest of my life? So I went around him and I ended up getting looked at by myself and then I ended up having a tryout in 09. And then they said, no, maybe it was 08. No, maybe end of 08, beginning of 09, something like that. And they said, we like you and we like a guy called Martin Stone, Danny Birch, NXT now. They said, right, we want you guys to come back. It was Arn Anderson. I was like, hey, I like you guys. I want you guys to come back. So we were like, oh, shit, maybe we're going to get hired. 
so you come back the next time and uh and rampage gets hired my friend and martin gets hired because they see those guys as a tag team and again i'm that person that they don't want i'm like oh my god you know what am i doing wrong and so i sit down with drew and drew's like hey do you want me to take you to see johnny ace because drew my other trainer was then the the it guy the guy that got all the uk talent he said do you want to go see johnny ace we'll go knock on his door and you can talk to him i went i was shitting my pants i went okay let's go because johnny was always used to scare the crap out of me when he tried and talk to me was, i was always terrified at these WWE events and WWE shows and i if i was that backstage at a WWE event i would hide in whatever closet i could until it was like my time to do something because something would go wrong like i'd have an awkward moment with someone like i'd uh, like like Kane had come out from the toilet after using the, after having a shit. And, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm like, oh, hi, sir. You know, trying to shake his hand. And he's just like, like, you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm just trying to be polite. But now I'm shaking his hand. He's just come out of the toilet. Like there'd be silly stuff like that. Like one time Umaga was in a tree of woe going through something with Shane, like before the show. And I'm wrestling one of my friend's bad bones from Germany. And I single leg bad bones, right? And we're really close to Umaga. And he goes back and he headbutts Umaga. And I go, oh, shit. And Umaga goes upside down the tree of woe. And his face just goes bright red like he's going to kill me. And I just slowly pull bones away by his leg. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, I'd be like, something <laughs> stupid would happen every WWE event. Like, somehow I would end up... There was one time I was supposed to be... I was. I was one of Undertaker's minions. And it was like CM Punk versus Undertaker. It was like a dark match. And they'd got all the minions together. And, uh, and anyway, I'm with everyone in Gorilla somewhere. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need to go get my, get something. So I run off and I come back and everyone's gone. So I'm like, where is everyone? Because they're about to go through the dress rehearsal for Undertaker's entrance. Now I'm like, crap, 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 crap. And I run around and I find Bones, one of the refs. And he's like, I don't find him yet. So I run into Gorilla and I see Billy Kidman. I go, Billy, where, where, are, the, where are the Druids? Like, I don't know. Fuck. So I run around, run around. And then Bones, the referee comes, he's like, hey man, where the hell have you been? Oh man, you've got heat. I went, oh no, no, no. <laughs> and so I get, I get to the, I get to the ring. That's where everyone's like hidden around this corner. I get there and everyone's dressed as a druid, except for me, I'm in my suit. And I have to do the walkthrough in my suit because I was late. And I was just like, oh God, here I'm, I'm already getting heat. And I've been here two seconds. You know, like something stupid would happen every right. time. But eventually, um, eventually in 010, I end up knocking on Johnny Ace's door with Drew and Johnny Ace comes out and he goes, he goes, oh, you want to get high, do you? And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, hey, can you pass a drug test? I like a drug uh, steroid test. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to send you a, <laughs> I'm going to send you a drug test in the post. If you fail it, you'll never come to do a review. If you pass it, you're coming to Florida. And I, it, you know, it was it, at the same time, I'm like, oh, I hope I pass it. But the same, but I'm just like, oh, thank God. So I end up going home, super pumped. But I'm kind of nervous about when this drug test is going to show up. And then six months later, it shows up. So obviously, I can pee clean and whatnot. And uh, and then the rest was history, and they brought us over. But it it was five years of, of more or less five years of tryouts and getting told nothing, or they didn't want me or whatever. So I, yeah, so from sort of like '02 to um, 2010 was kind of my UK indie scene. And then 2010, 2012 was WWE, and then 2013-14 to 17 was TNA, and then a, another sort of break, and then now with NWA. So it's been, yeah, I've been wrestling since I was 16, and I'm 34 now, so it's been a long time. Yeah, you've been doing this a while, man. Um, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I don't want to make you dig like all into your TNA stuff, but I mean, I, I read a lot about that just because, um, what, what I was trying to dig up stuff on you and, you know, it seemed like you were having a lot of success in TNA. So was that, was that more of the same stuff like we've talked about, like that, that you think messed that up or. So at TNA, generally when you, when you came in, at least back then, I don't know what it's like now, but you were the new shiny toy. So I was the new shiny toy at first. So everyone likes you and wants to work with you and write you ideas and do all that. And, you know, guys like Abyss was real graceful in like putting me over in his star matches and sort of trying to make, make a name for myself. And at the time I didn't realize it. Like that's how it was like sort of like blase about everything was. I didn't really care. Um, you know, I was drinking and just still delusional, like still not realizing what an opportunity I had. Like now, that's what I say when I look back and go, you had all these opportunities. You you had, you were here at this moment in time and you just didn't give a shit. It just blows me away. I'm just like, who was I? But yeah, so so when I first came in, I did get a good run. They did push me a lot. And then I think little by little, they kind of realized that I wasn't reliable. I wasn't uh, sort of dependable. You know, if I was at a show, chances are they're going to use me either under the influence or... Um, still under the influence from the night before. I, I didn't hide it. You know, they'd find me lying around in hotel rooms and fans would find me covered in Nutella, you know, in like hotel room, like, you know, in, in lobbies and stuff. And I was just out of control. I found collapsed in places. And so I think just little by little, they went, uh, I'm not too sure about this guy. And then when I got arrested again, that's they, they suspended me. And then when the charges got dropped, they brought me back. And I think from then I was very much tainted. And um, and so it slowly sort of went down and down and down and down from there. And then Scott Gamora and whatnot and a bunch of others had came in, uh, yeah. Jeff Jarrett and whatnot, and they sort of like, they sort of took over the place a little bit. And um, there was another changing of guards and that meant another sort of pay cut and whatnot. And uh, Scott had sort of threw me a bone and he got me a gig uh, wrestling in for Noah in Japan. And of course I got drunk out there, of course, like I did. And I ended up putting, um, doing something stupid on Instagram that got me kicked off the tour and kicked off. They've, they've pretty much Chris Benoit me from, from the Noah tour. You wouldn't even know I'd ever been there. I wrestled four or five matches in Noah, but they've ex nade me from the, from, from the oh, thing. Wow. It's like, I've never been there. And they put me on a plane and they sent me back home. They got rid of me, which I completely understand. You know, at the time I'm like, oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. What have I done? Um, you know, and that was another thing where impact went, oh, my week. We give him this guy chances and he keeps, he keeps shit in the bed. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was just, a, it was a, it was a, it was, it was a, just a general decline that is only uh, of my doing and only I can blame at the time. I thought it was everyone else's, uh, you know what I mean? From Scott DeMore to whatever, these guys, these guys don't like me. They're screwing me over. But then looking back, I'm going, oh, like, you know, it's a bit like when your dad, when you when you're a kid you're like oh my dad's an asshole like why is he doing all this stuff why is he saying that why is he picking on me and then when you get older you're like you're like you completely understand why he did everything and everything makes sense and that's how i do it now it's kind of the same thing it's like i was just clueless to it and just you know delusional thinking that uh, all these issues are everyone else except for mine so you know I, and you know i've got to say they, they did look after me they always paid me on time um I did have a blast there. I just, again, wish I was in more control. And if you put me back there now, I'd be 
a different person. I'd have taken that ball and ran with it. Whereas before I got the ball, I went, oh, I don't care. Man, it's it's so interesting to hear. Like, I mean, at least like now you weird. have the. It's weird. <laughs> it's like self sabotage. It's like getting hired by WV, your dream, right? And then going, screw it. It's crazy because I look back now, every time, you know, WrestleMania is on or I watch, I go, that could have been me. Like, you know, I, I came up with Seth, I came up with Roman Reigns, with Husky, with Bray Wyatt, with all these guys, right? All, the, all, these, all these guys. And uh, I should have been there with them, but I wasn't adult or growing up enough to realize that at the time. You know, so when I'll go back, like they said with Cesaro the day at WrestleMania, he's been with the WWE 10 years. I went, man, I had his first couple of matches when he came in. You know what I mean? Like I was around, I was there the day he walked in. Like I that should have, I could have, why did I throw away the ball? You mentioned in one thing I was watching, uh, you, you, you have like a documentary. It's on YouTube. Uh, Tom Latimer uh, to Bram and Beyond, I think is the name of it. And um, you mentioned being self-destructive and in, in that in one of the parts of that thing i mean are you are you feeling like that this is it, it's the drug the alcohol the that kind of thing that really did it for you or i mean did, have you ever thought about like what what might have brought that on for you i've got, like, I've got a weird and it's gonna sound real stupid and i think i told it to nick once and he's like that can't be it because i didn't get molested when i was a kid i yeah. had a good you know what i mean like there's there's nothing to make me like that there really isn't and so to talk about wrestling, because wrestling is, even though I try not to make it, it has been and is my life, right? As much as like I live in normal world now and I don't, and wrestling to me now is as much as I would like it to be not just a hobby, it practically is a hobby that helps pay my rent rather than it being the main thing like it, it should have been or could have been. So when I got high by WWE, right, I'd spent all those years getting there and I had this Maybe it's not this. I can only think that this is maybe, and it's going to sound stupid, but maybe part of it is, so I spent all that time, I used to stand in my bedroom when I was a kid staring at the posters. I like a picture of Jeff Hardy and all these other people, and I'd spent hours just sitting there staring at them, right? But I was obsessed with getting to do That was my dream. And I know so many other people that were the same way, right? It, they ate them up. And, it, and I'd been told no, and this had happened, and all these things had happened, and I still, you know, I had a, 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 my, my, my first wife at the time, you know, we were dating, she had to put up with me, and me wanting to go do the wrestling and all this, and like, the, I, I didn't care about any of that. I didn't care about what other people thought. I don't care about this relationship. I don't care about work. All I care about is wrestling and making it to do really, right? And so through all the ups and downs, I finally make it. And I think, I had this illusion in my mind of what it was. I was still in the Attitude Era. I still, like, that's what I watched. Never watched anything up until when I sat. And it's 2010 before I walk in the gate, and it's changed dramatically from the year 2000 for what I grew up on and what I loved, right? Right. A day that I walked into that school, into FCW, and it was around everything, and I saw how it ran, and I saw how it worked, and I saw the types of people there. I went, this, is, this, my, this isn't whatever my dream was, I thought it was, this isn't it. And I think that messed with me. And I realized then that my dream was bullshit. Like I had this thinking in my mind of how everything would be, how I would feel, what it would be like. And when it happened, it wasn't all what I thought it was going to be. And I think that I realized then that my dream's bullshit. I'll never 
this whatever I thought will never be. And I kind of gave up then. You know, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But it just wasn't what I envisioned. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I knew that I would never, whatever that dream was, the version of my dream, I'll never, that'll never happen. And so it kind of crushed me, I think. And at that point, I kind of just, I gave, I gave a bit of a shit, but I, I didn't anymore. It, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then ever since then, I was just always, always been very self-destructive. And I've never really figured it out. And it's only now being 34 and having a, you know, I've been with Kaylee now nearly three years and we have a, you know, practically perfect relationship. I mean, night and day from all my others. And, you know, uh, uh, it's just, I just don't understand what, you know, I don't want to press that big red button anymore, but I was desperate to all the, all the other times. So I don't know if it was just a question of growing up or whatnot or procrastinating and looking back and wishing I had done it or what the case is. But yeah, it, it's kind of like, that's kind of like my, my thinking on it. I just realized that my dreams weren't what they, what they were. And I, and I didn't care. And now looking back, you know, I care again. Just curious about that uh, documentary. Like you, you seem pretty open in that thing when I was watching it. Probably, like, I'm probably drunk in that too. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I was going to ask like how that came about. Like just uh, curious or what changed that you just kind of, that's like the latest thing I could find where you're like kind of talking openly. So, you know? so there was a, a kid and he had a, a, a project coming up for school. And he'd reached out to a couple of wrestlers. And, uh, you know, and I thought, I don't know, I don't know. I just went, you know what? Yeah, if you want to follow me around and film it and, and whatever, to paint the story that you want, you, you go for it. So he just sort of, he came to a few of the events, one of the big events and sort of filmed me. And kind of what you were getting at that point was kind of like, the, how like halfway between how I am now-ish and uh and terrible me you know what i mean i was kind of like in the middle floating back and forth but trying to be good and trying to not drink and maybe not drinking for a few months and then going crazy again and maybe not cheating and then cheating again you know what i mean like it, it was like a weird time in my life where i'm trying to get my life together and i'm trying to figure out who i am at the same time i'm still desperately clinging on to not doing that because you know i don't want to open up any doors or I don't want to, you know, like I said, I still can only partially look at myself in the mirror. So I don't know. I was in a weird, I was in a weird sort of space at that time. You know, I didn't, I, I was kind of to a degree homeless for several of those years. I would just stay with people or whatever girl I was dating at the time. I would just live there. It's kind of like a weird time where I was just kind of, I was just existing and floating around. And then I'd use my my wrestling money to then feed, you know, my drug or, or alcoholism. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's kind of, it was, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just a very strange time where I was kind of lost. When you when you came back over here and you started working with the NWA stuff and all of that, but then also you, you mentioned, I, I guess you, you've been lucky, at least in also finding like friends um like crimson oh, and uh, sure. i've got i've got so in wrestling they say not to cut you off sorry guy but they say oh in wrestling you can only you know you only got a few friends i'll tell you i have some of the some of the best friends crimson uh dexter nick rampage brown james storm uh uh you know there's more i'm sorry if i'm missing anybody but there's there's just there's mountains and mountains and mountains of good good people, good friends, people that I can depend on, you know, and especially in Clarksville, I've got, you know, Nick, Anthony, 
I like Sam who comes back and forth when he can, you know, when he when he can escape Florida. Um, I've just got such a good network and there, and it definitely helps having them. Like they're they're not um, they're not drinkers, they're not partiers, the people that have their shit together, and that's really helped sort of keep me stable you know what i mean like you need that core group of friends and especially the from the wrestling business so you think it'd be the opposite way and there's a lot of people that that did enjoy or would want to be around me for that and uh, and they've slowly sort of gone to the wayside and and then it is nice to sort of be surrounded by people that that um have my best interests at heart because there's been a lot of people that, that haven't you know and i've welcomed them i've wanted that you know and now i don't yeah, well, no, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it was kind of um, see, seeing guys like you and Nick and, and all of that. I mean, I, I was telling you this in a conversation, just like it makes me want to get in better shape, makes me want to work harder and that kind of thing. So I, I, I was reading somewhere, I think the, I forget who said it, but there's a, a saying about you, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that that all shapes like who you become as a person. Um so just kind of interesting to see that. But so uh, I think where I was going with like uh, with Crimson and stuff is like, I mean, you you mentioned earlier, you got you in with like tried and true. How, how was that for you? Like with everything you've been through, then you come back around and now you're a teacher, like training, you're working on like the next generation of wrestling talent. Like what, what I guess just what's going on in your head. Talk about that, like uh, with, with teaching. I think, well, one, like Anthony Crimson, you know, who's always gone to bat for me. He's always looked out for me. He's, you know, one of my closest friends, uh, legitimately one of my closest friends. And, uh, you know, he just, he goes above and beyond always to appease me and to look after me and has looked after me. And I'll always be eternally grateful for him, just like I am for Nick too. I mean, I told Nick the other day that he's pretty much kept my wrestling career going for the last 10 years. Like if it wasn't for him, there's a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have got um, because of my past behavior and other things like that. So I owe him a lot. I owe Anthony a lot too. But Anthony bringing me in and uh, we did a pilot for a reality TV show a while back. He kind of brought this up. So it's kind of what he said, but he said that I needed it. Like he said, I needed a purpose and uh, and, and uh, I needed to sort of have a purpose and give give back. And he's completely right. When I came in to sort of teach the kids and whatnot, it really did sort of breathe life into me. It gave me a purpose, a reason to kind of live. And it also helped me like, it's such a special thing to be able to train kids and see them evolve and grow because you can guide them a certain way because you can tell them all the bad things that you've done and all the things that you shouldn't have done and you can pre-warn them and you can try and guide them in the right way i've got so much information that i've learned from all the people that i've been around from dusty Rhodes, you know ricky the dragon steamboat like bill demott like the dr tom like but even for John Cena and what, whatnot, like all the people that have spoken to me in their lives, they've all given me something. And there's so much, I've forgotten a lot of it, but there's so much stuff that is, is in my mind. It's so nice to be able to try and give that back and, and have kids that want to hear it and they want, they're, they're hungry. And I, just as hungry as I am. And so that really helps, you know what I mean? Like, because I'd have walked over broken glass to get in a real professional wrestling ring. I learned on mats, you know what I mean? And the kids that we've got, they're pretty much got that same mentality that, that you know, that they, they, they're they humble and they, they, they're not, um, you know, privileged is in, you know, they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
that you know they're 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 um, they're appreciative of, of the opportunities and the things that have come. And we've got Mims right now on NWA, and he's one of you know me and Plunkett and Crimson's kid. So you know, it sh- and it shows the other kids too that hey, you know, if you work and put your time in, you're going to get the opportunity too. Mims has got a lot of growing to do, but at least you know it helps you the kids and realize, oh, here's a kid that was with us, and now he's getting an opportunity. So it's just it was, and that's something we want to get back going after COVID and whatnot. We've not had the school, um, and so we need to find a new place for it and sort of do all those sorts of things. And it's something they're all desperate to get back to. But as far as it's in a, on a selfish level, it definitely helped me. It definitely helped me get my frustrations out and be able to give back because. I'm 34. I've got an incredibly short, I'm going for an MRI actually in two weeks on my lower back. Like finally I'm going to go figure out what's wrong with it. Cause I've had a bad back now for eight, nine years, you know, to the, to the point where I'd have to drink whole bottles of morphine to be able to walk to the toilet. Like it's been pretty bad at points. Um, so I'm finally getting looked at. So I know I can't do this forever. So it's really nice then to be able to groom the next lot because if i don't it's such a waste and it's such a and if i don't if i can't do it then at least one of them can and selfishly then i can ride their coattails <laughs> you know what i mean like i get to live seriously <laughs> right. through them so uh you know if i'm not going to make it at least one of those guys will so so we're, we're 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 winding down. I promise a little bit, but but one of my questions was gonna be is like, what excites you about pro wrestling now? Like that keeps you motivated and keeps you going. Is that one of them? Like seeing these these new guys, or what else do you have? See, seeing the kids, and also being, I've sort of been born again almost. It kind of feels like it's weird. Like uh, so, getting my getting my life together and. <sighs> Yeah, I, it feels like I've been sort of reborn. I'm a completely different person to who I was. When I hear stuff, I go, I can't believe that was me or that I did that or whatever. Like, so that's just sort of like, you know, getting a second chance almost. Um, it fills me with a lot of joy. And, uh, and I know that I can do it. And I know that if I, you know, if I actually take the ball and run with it, I can run with it. And it's the first time that I've ever wanted the ball. And um, now I really want it. It's a bit further away, but I want to run with it. Um, So there's definitely an element of that. There's definitely an element of dealing and being around the kids. Um, And, you know, me and Kaylee both do it too. So it's something that we can both, we're both in, which really helps. And it's something that I've always, like I said, it's took me a long time to realize that I loved it. Like I hated it for the longest time. And it's something that I, would have walked over my mom's dead body to, to do, you know what I mean? And then I turned around and hated it. And now, now, you know, now I found the love for it again. So I think there's a, and I'm ready at 34. I'm finally ready to, to, to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. And, and with the NWA, um, it's, it's very much down my alley. It's wrestling today for me. It's not, uh, I watch Dexter, you know, NXT and whatnot, or a few other people that I know. And I do watch AEW. I do sort of stay kind of up to date with what's going on. Um, NWA is just a little bit more what I sort of did as a kid. And also, like, I like the guys with bodies. I like the guys that look like they can beat somebody up. I want to see the guys that look like they're actually fighting. That's my style. That's the style that I like. That's the style that I want to produce. That's the 
that's what I like. I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of sort of what wrestling kind of is now as a whole. With mm-hmm. you know, with a bit of a mixture, it's okay. I'm not trying to shit on anything, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, so with the NWA, it's definitely a place I feel I fit. Um, and it's I think it'd be more than fair since like Jeff Hardy's like your favorite wrestler. And oh. and that's kind of interesting, like you what you're saying now versus you know, like Jeff Hardy is your favorite guy. Yeah, totally. Well, it, it's definitely changed over time. You know what I mean? From being yeah. around all those guys from Steamboat to build them up, like what I thought was was entertaining then wasn't. And the more I became a pro wrestler myself, the more that my views on what I thought was good and bad sort of changed. As a kid, it was definitely, I'd have loved AEW and everything playing now. Like I liked Ring of Honor in its early days. It was like crazy car crash. Uh, but just being around the business and going through and meeting all these people and wrestling all these different sorts of people, I just figured this is kind of what I like more or less now, you know, I, and I've always liked those, the larger than life characters, the bigger dudes and, and all that kind of stuff. I think it just sort of, it just over my career that I've just sort of swayed more that way. You know, I think that we've got a, a, a really good, um, a, to a degree niche, set up meaning it's not to everyone's cup of tea but you have to be different you have to be an alternative and i think that's what we're giving because if we were you can't just copy what everyone else is doing you know what i mean um and yeah. so it's nice it's nice where i have a place where i feel i fit and a place that i feel i can contribute and a place that looks after me respects me is loyal to me you know because uh, uh yeah if you're loyal to me and you and you make me feel like i belong then i ain't leaving you know yeah, and that's how I feel. Then it's a family, and we've got the best locker room around. I can't say because I haven't been in a lot of them for a while, and or some of the other places. But I'll say just by being in that locker room, it is one of the best. There's no egos. There's no. Um, there's just none of the general stuff that you hear or heard about. Like it's awesome. I love being back there. I love being around all those people, and that is a big part of it. As much as people might want to say it's not like. Um, you know, it's like you could have the worst job in the world, but if you like your boss, it makes it better. And I'm not saying that for this, but I'm saying that really helps, you know, is a is a good working environment. So, and Billy, you know, I've known Billy for, um, I, can't, I can't remember now. He came in whatever point we are in TNA and we hit off. We became friends pretty much straight off, off the bat. And I'd actually do a lot of, um, it'd be kind of my agony on almost. I'd go to him and I'd moan or whine and, tell him the latest silly things that I did or how pissed off I was or whatever. And he was always, he'd always try and guide me and give me an ear to talk to. <coughs> so we've always stayed close. If he was in the UK, I'd come watch him gig, all that kind of stuff. So when he was going to run with it and do something, I, you know, I had to, I really wanted to be a part of it. And of course, Nick, who I've known since I've broken, practically broke into the business. It just made sense. I mean, I feel like I'm with family. That's amazing. I love hearing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, and you're preaching to the choir with the NWA. I mean, obviously, the, and a lot of people that listen to this are going to be huge fans of that. And we love the larger than life characters too. So, so like, for instance, one of the things like, it's, it's interesting to me to hear your backs bothering you because, uh, you know, one of the people I, I was waiting for you to fight and you finally did. And I don't think you guys got enough time. And that's not me criticizing the NWA, but it was just uh, briefly in like a tournament uh, was Trevor Murdoch. And I always like wanted to see you guys matched up against each other. And it was well, <laughs> in the five minutes that it happened before 
Uh, and I know he's, he's kind of got an issue with your boy, Nick right now, uh, as we're recording this, but you guys like, look like you freaking killed each other in the middle of the ring. And, uh, I just, uh, it, 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 you can speak on that if you want to, but I'm also curious, like if there's people like who, who excites you to, to, to get in there with. So I, so anytime I wrestle Nick, cause he's my friend that really helps. I mean, I had one of my favorite feuds in TNA was with Nick and then with Mickey and it just, there's so many cool elements and we shot this footage out and then we had some real cool matches. We had, a, we had a, one of our matches in Wembley or somewhere in the UK. I can't remember. It was just cool. It was just like, this is, you know what I mean? We, bo- we both feeling it. So anytime I wrestle him, um, and then guys like Bobby Lashley and Robert Roode, guys like that, uh, Gun- even Gunner, uh, I forget what he's called in WWE now. Um, he's with a dude that plays the guitar. Elias. Um, his, 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 his Jackson henchman. Riker, is that who you mean? Yeah, that's it, Riker. Riker, Drew, I love wrestling Drew, uh, Drew, Gall- Drew McIntyre. Like, guys, uh, when you get in there with, it's a fight. Like, when you wrestle Drew, you're, you're, it's just survival. But Drew is, like, he's stiff, but not in a, not in a, not in a taking liberties way, not in a, he's not going to hurt you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's safe as houses. He's just coming for you. And you better be coming for him, otherwise he's going to eat you up. And I love that. I love, I want that, I want to fight that person. And those guys, you like Bobby, you know what I mean? Like, he's so strong. Those guys, you got to fight. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything in. And I love that. I want to fight them. So guys like that. And Trevor is one of those guys. And also Trevor, besides being a big, mean, scary guy that no one in a bar would want to fight, which is how wrestlers should look and be and come across, he also understands and gets the business. Like, he... Uh, He's got a great mind for it. Like, he really does. Like, so not only have you got a guy that's intimidating, can talk, look the part, look like a badass, and he's not your muscle man by any means, but he's a big guy that's going to beat you up. But he also understands what should go where, how that should be played. If there's something here, take a moment, let it breathe, let it register. Like, he's not, you know what I mean? It's about the, the details that matter, not the moves not this or that it's it's about all the in-between bits that to me when i watch the pro wrestling match the in-between bits the bits that kill me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you could hit the nicest whatever driver you want in the world but how did you get to that you know did you put your hand out when the guy shot you off if you're in the corner getting getting shoulders or getting punched in the face or your hands holding onto the ropes you know all the or, or if you're on the floor and you're getting mounted and you're not covering up and the guys, you know, or, or the bad punches or, or whatever, like that stuff completely take me out of it. Like if a lockup looks weak, I don't care anymore. If that's the first thing I see, I'm out. Like I won't see anymore. Like, so, and of course I, I, I can't say I'm not perfect in any sense at all, nor am I tooting my own horn because I am also guilty for forgetting things. Or if I'm in the heat of the moment, I'll leave a hand there where really if the hand was there, why would it be there? It'd be trying to grab the guy's hand or whatever. But it's always those little bits that that kill it for me. Killer wrestling matches, momentum or whatever. If I can see through something, I go, oh, you know. And like I said, Trevor's one of those guys that's never going to do that. And he just understands storytelling. And that's what wrestling is. It's not about the moves. Who cares about them? It's about your investment in the characters. Do you care? Because if you don't care, why are we doing it? We're supposed to care. We're supposed to like this guy. We're supposed to not like this guy. Like, where did it go? Why, where, where did it become an exhibition of who can do the cooler move? 
And that's just that for me and for everyone else listening, I'm sorry. It's just not pro wrestling. I want a story. I want a story. I want to go when I go to the movies. I don't want to see two hours of car crashes. I want to see the in-between bits that got to the car crashes. No, I, I it's it's uh I, I think the people that watch the NWA right now, especially and uh, and I think they're out there, and it's just a matter of bringing the eyeballs, and and, and we definitely want to do that. But it's, you know, I cared about, I wanted to see you and Trevor, not because I thought somebody was going to uh, do a moonsault or the tope <laughs> suicida to the outside. Hey, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to tell Trevor, but the day we wrestle, you have to moonsault. <laughs> and so he'll be, able to, he'll be able to do a nice moonsault with me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll look for that, but uh all right, so I got I got two other things I have to ask you about, and uh, let's see, I'll I'll do I'll do this one first, so we can get the sappy stuff out of the way. I am curious since we we gave her we gave her a little bit of time earlier, but let's talk about Kaylee for a minute because you you met Kaylee. Uh, did I understand that you you had? I thought you guys had just met each other at Crockett Cup when I saw you, but apparently it was pop like up. that. It was pop a pop up. up. Yeah. yeah. So so what? How did that happen? <laughs> well, do you want the do you want the the kayfabe story or or uh, <laughs> or, or, the, or the or the story? Well, I'll I go don't... with I'll go with the story. You know, okay. Uh, but um, she was okay. She was aware that I was. I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but she was aware that I was coming back. Right? She knew who I was to be Nick. They were doing their thing, and so she she'd sort of already she'd sort of already prepped the. Uh, the field to sort of you know ask Nick who I was and when I was coming so I kind of already I was still in my boisterous stage you know I wasn't I wasn't I was you know still sort of gallivanting around so you know I wasn't expecting it to be anything more than probably what I thought it was three years ago so um so we ended up meeting at that meeting at that show and then um it's kind of a it's kind of funny so we went up meet at that show and she'd moved to Nashville. She'd, she'd moved in with Dave Lagana. They're doing the NWA stuff. She she was living in back at uh, parents' place, and I moved. She literally moved around the same time to Nashville when I moved to Clarksville. It's kind of uncanny. And like I said, she was living with Dave, and I was staying at um, Anthony's friend's place. And I had a room that I would stay in, and that was mine until I kind of got on my feet. And so she ended up pretty much moving in there, <laughs> to the dismay of. Uh, of <laughs> the other people that lived in the house, the family that was in the house. But she was there all the time. And of course, at the time I was doing a bit of training with her too. So it just kind of made sense. And so um, so like I said, she pretty much moved in with me then. And then it was time for us to move out. So I had a friend that in uh, Kentucky that in he had because we didn't know where what what to do. Everything was still kind of early. We'd only been sort of together for a couple of months. So we had, or, or whatever. So we ended up moving into an RV, which is wild. Oh, is wild. <laughs> so we moved into an RV in Kentucky in the country. And we were there for a couple of months. And then we moved into my friend's shop because he had a, a whole setup in his shop. We moved in there for a little bit. And then something happened. So he had to move back in. So that's when we finally moved out and uh, and then and then got a house. We've been in now for, I think, two years or something. But uh, yeah, we lived in an RV. We, you know, by our early stages, we lived in an RV, which is, I loved it. What I did think, though, is if you can live in an RV, you have to be a single person. Two people in an RV, it's 
pretty tough. You know what I mean? And we didn't, you know, we had I peed in water bottles and chucked them out, and <laughs> you know, what I mean? we had no work, working plumbing. So that's cool. But um, no, it, which you know, and which is nice because that obviously shows that she'd move into a cardboard box for me if, if she needed to. But uh, no, we just we just hit it off and, and just became sort of best friends. And I couldn't think of you know anyone. And like I say, we're planning on getting married uh, in um, May, I think next May. Um, and you know, I I couldn't be happy. I couldn't ask for for anyone to. And and again, it's kind of another thing that I never thought I'd do again. I was so bitter and jaded on sort of women and relationships, and I never thought I'd be able to toe the line. I've never thought I'd be able to not cheat. I never thought I'd be able to not drink. I never thought I'd be able to do any of the things that I am now. So it's pretty cool because it's like, I know, whereas before I was always desperate to mess things up. I'm so not desperate to mess stuff up. It's like, um, it's just nice. It's calm. And uh, I've not had calm in my life uh, pretty much ever up until now. So I don't know. It's just, it's just all touch wood. It's, um, you know, it's all going really good and she's happy. I'm happy. We've got a dog, which is kind of a, baby almost so you know yeah. she take she just took it to new york now she's got a signing with nick in uh new york so i'm dogless for the uh for the for the for the duration of uh, the next two days so i plan on seeing eddie edwards later he's in okay. town so. nice um so, so no no candy wrappers on tom no uh, candy wrappers this is it diet diet cokes is my jam all right all right and i could get away with it too but it shows you how much i've changed i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna eat any candy there you are a dedicated man i like That's that it. i don't want that heat <laughs> all right so one one last thing before i let you go tom i have to ask you i just uh last night i watched uh checkpoint and, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so i do a movie podcast so when I when I was digging into Tom Latimer and found out Tom Latimer does movies, I don't think I realized that. Like I I think I'd seen it in the past and been like, oh, he had a spot here and there. But I was like, no, I got to go down uh, Tom right. Latimer's filmography. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> so I was watching Checkpoint last night, which is, I got to say, was cool because never, what's that? I've never watched it. You never watched it? No. Well, I just thought it was cool that you were in a movie with I. So, so I have a I have a, another podcast called Cinema Shock, and we deal with like especially like genre like B movies and stuff like yeah. that a lot. And so it's horror and it's like weird action movies and that kind of thing. So, guys that were in this movie were are are people that we would. I mean, besides like people would know Goldberg, obviously, uh, but like William Forsyth said a lot of Rob Zombie stuff and uh, Tyler Maine um, is in there. And uh, Fred Williamson, who's in like a lot of B stuff and Kane Hodder, especially like just uh, Jason. You know? yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. 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 There's a few people there. Yeah. Yeah. But what was that? What was that like for you? I mean, how, how did that even happen? I'm just curious. So, 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 so when I got, so when I got fired by WWE, so WWE had hired at the time an acting coach, right? Peggy Sheffield, her name is. She's literally my American mother. Uh, she lives in Florida. And when I got fired by WWE, I don't know why, but I emailed Peggy because she spent a lot of time with me and Connor, our, my old tag partner in the Ascension. And she spent a lot of time with us and, you know, been real helpful and helped to do stuff. And spent time, you know, it was rare that you got people in that facility that generally wanted to look after you and help. She did. Because she obviously she was an outside source. She wasn't part of WWE. So 
she, so I reached out to her and said, Hey Peggy, I just want to let you know, I've been fired. You know, I, I got fired for, you know, I, I've, I drink and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, Oh, she instantly like, okay, well, I'm going to take you to AA. So I went to AA for a while with her. She would take me to AA and whatnot. And then she, like I said, she was an act, actress herself and also taught classes. So she would bring me to classes. Like I said, she became my mom uh, when I needed one at the time. And, uh, and she then helped get me into doing a movie called Best Buds that was like a, 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 a Tallahassee uh, film Florida sort of kids thing that they, that they were doing. So she got me into that. And it's the first time I'd sort of like been around actors and doing acting or anything. like. I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, I did, I did okay. And I remember being around and just going, wow, this is awesome. This is like the wrestling except for they look after you they feed you they're, they're nice to you no one's a dick like I was just like wow this is really cool so it was something that I was sort of dabbling in and I saw sort of try I got a few little bits by myself and then um and then I ended up moving back to the UK for a while I think this is when I think I'd broke it with Ashley at this point and I moved back to the UK before going back and I ended up landing a role in a, in a really terrible movie called uh, Dragons of Camelot and it was the, the the director was um the guy that did commando so he did that movie and then i went back to the states and then i, I ended up in a in a horror i tried then, finding uh, that one side note but I it's somewhere i've never seen it either it, i mean i think it made it to dvd <laughs> they're all they're all dvd ones because i was actually in germany doing a signing a wrestling signing this is years ago and someone came up to me with the blu-ray version of uh, dragons of camelot and i was on the back of it and i went oh, this exists. Oh, please may you sign it. I was like, certainly. There you go. I'd never seen it. Uh, and then, um, and then checkpoint. Like, yeah, say with with, with Bill, and uh, that was real cool. So we filmed a lot of that in North Carolina, and then they flew me in, and Bill was really really cool with me. I stayed at Goldberg's house for two nights. We trained together in his gym. Hung out with his family, and uh, yeah, Bill's house. Is, awesome so i spent two days with bill and then we filmed on like a big i can't remember where it is in uh, california but we filmed on a big battleship that they'd rented for the two days mm -hmm. so we filmed on that and whatnot and it, and it was pretty cool and yeah it was cool and then from then i kind of i was still a drunk i was still getting into trouble uh, this is around the time of more more trouble that was headed my way and again again look it was more opportunities here's an opportunity tom here's an opportunity tom here's an opportunity tom I was like, no, 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 you know, so it is, it is what it is. Like, I'm just lucky that I managed to do these things and was given the ball. And um, I do wish I'd have pursued it or at least uh, I cared because again, I didn't, and I never had an agent. I just kind of swanned into stuff and you know what I mean? Just sort of like took it for granted, you know, because looking back, I go, oh, I can't believe I did that stuff. I can't believe they did that. You know, it's kind of crazy. So, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And I'll say this, Bill, Bill Goldberg is an awesome guy, awesome guy. He was even going to, when I got, I got injured in Rome, I got impaled in a chair, on a chair with my bum. And when I was in the hospital in Rome, he called, he... Uh, Wait a minute. Sorry. You can't just like skim past that you got impaled on a chair <laughs> in your bum. Yeah, like, my, worst, my worst wrestling injury. Well, I'll, get, I'll say this and I'll get the injury. Okay. All right. so I, was in, I was in hospital in Rome and, uh, and I was supposed to meet up with Bill because he was doing a tour of the UK, you know, like... Uh, like like jr and a few other guys would do where they go and they talk about their lives and it's kind of like a stand-up thing and he was gonna fly in to come and see me and i was like no, no no it's cool it's cool you know what i mean i appreciate it though but that's the last time that we spoke but he was such a such a good guy to me like i said 
put uh, put me up for two days and you know took me around and bill was really really cool so but um yeah so that that's that's so i've had two wrestling injuries so when i was training i was doing a spin headsters on those mats that i was telling you about and i impaled my toe into the mat and i broke it and uh so now it now instead of a toe that does this it's it's fused so it just does this so i can't wear flip-flops i drag the flip-flop you know what i mean and they put they put a little pot on my toe and I, and I was, and I wasn't allowed to work for several uh, months because I worked in a factory baking cakes at the time when I was a kid. And uh, they said I was a fire hazard. So I couldn't work. So that was the first one. That was when I was uh, 16 and 17. And then this one happened a few years ago. And Nick was there too. Nick, me, Nick, Eddie Edwards, Bambi killer, uh, Jimmy Havoc. A few of us were in um, uh, Rome. And this wrestling event was being held at a giant theme park. So, of course, we're drinking all day. We're having a great time. We're in, we're in Rome. We're at a theme park. This is cool. And, of course, I'm knocking back the beers. And uh, it comes to me and Jimmy's match, and we're having a hardcore match. And uh, he does this spot. And I've done it with him a million times, but with a normal metal chair, not a plastic and metal chair, where we put it so it's, you know, chairs like this. And then I take a hip toss and I take a front flip on the chair and it just normally, it sucks and it hurts, but you just crush the chair and it's kind of like, oh, well, this was a metal and plastic one. And I took my, I literally just took my kilt off, which might have saved me if I kept it on. We do the spot, it gives me the hip toss, I take the front flip onto the chair, it explodes and it goes right up my ass, right? And I land on the chair and luckily I'm pretty buzzed, but I land on the chair and I go, and I go, oh, and I pull myself off it, right? And I and I look at my hand, and there's blood, flesh, and shit on my hand. And I Jesus. go, Jesus! Literally, my ass, my asshole exploded, right? And he kicks me out the ring because he's going to go for a dive, right? And I'm learning, and I'm standing there, kind of, and I'm going, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. And he doesn't hear me, so he, I think he gives me a baseball slide or something. We kind of fall into the chairs. And it's picking me up and I'm going, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm hurt. I'm really hurt. I'm really hurt. He went, and he, he, I was supposed to go over. So he goes, I'm going to go for my finish. School ball me. I said, no, pin me. And I just roll in the ring. He lies on me. One, two, three. I roll out. And they help me to the back. And uh, there's, luckily there's EMTs and stuff there. Because Rome is kind of a second world country, a little bit. Kind of. And uh, I pulled down my resting trunks and literally just goes on the, on the concrete, like stuff. And, uh, so they give me an injection in my ass and they put me in the in the in the ambulance, right? Which is terrifying enough because they're driving crazy. I'm getting slammed about and everything. And so I end up, everyone leaves the next day. So Nick, Eddie, everyone, they're trying to see me in the hospital, but they're not allowing it. So they can't see me. And I get stuck in Rome by myself for a week. And uh, luckily they put me in one of the better uh, hospitals, but they're all not they're all fairly terrible places uh and they and so i'm stuck there and i don't know what to do and uh and then a guy the promoter would come once a day to see me to check on me right and uh so i'm I'm, they've got me on the morphine and i've I've somehow i've snuck a bottle of this must have been in my bag to begin with a giant bottle of vodka and it shows you how bad i am what I, I'm not supposed to be drinking. I go into my bag and I choke my bottle of vodka, you know, and put it back. And looking back, I forget stuff like that. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm in the hospital and I'm chugging vodka. 
anyway, um, so several days go past and um, eventually uh, it's time for me to use a toilet, right? And don't bear him. I've got pictures I'll have to show you of it one day. They're terrible. So don't cut it back. Cut <laughs> it's, back I'm morbidly bit. curious. <laughs> cut, cut it back a little bit. So they have to dry shave my arse, right? It's all cut up. So I'm going, oh God, this is horrible, right? And then they, and I remember like, they'd got me on some sort of pain gimmick. So I'm kind of in and out of consciousness a little bit and they wheel me into an operating room, right? And everyone's yelling, everyone's screaming, everyone's running around and they're putting this piece of paper and pen in my face, want me to sign something. I'm going, what the fuck, what's going on? I don't know. They're like, no, 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 sign it, sign it. So I sign this piece of paper, not knowing what it is. And there's all this commotion. They're all yelling and screaming. I'm going, what the, the hell? And then this woman holds me down and goes, don't move. And I didn't realize they'd given me an epidural right in my spine. <laughs> and I was, you know what I mean? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So they give me the epidural and then I, I can't remember anything. I wake up in, in the hospital. So several days go by and I've got my cath- catheter in. And uh, Eddie, I think Eddie had told me, don't worry. When they pull that out, it's like, it's like, ah, and it's relieving it was it was awful when they pulled out anyway uh so several days go past and i've not taken a crap and i'm trying to not eat because i know at some point i'm gonna and they've got me on the morphine too so and the morphine um, you know clogs you up and finally like three or four days pass and i go okay i think i need to go to the toilet so i try and get out of bed like i've not moved i've been bed bound for three or four days and i ring the buzzer and then over there, you've got when you ring the emergency buzzer, you have to wait 20 minutes before anyone comes to your rescue. Like that's how bad it is. So I ring it to wait 20 minutes, and finally someone comes and I go, I'm good. I said, excuse me, because they don't know English very well. I'm going, I'm gonna try and take my first poo. Will you help help me when I finish? The girl, the girl's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I break, I like brace myself and I, I sit down as carefully as I can on the toilet, right? And I know it's gonna suck. I know it's gonna be the worst pain ever. I know. And of course, and of course, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable right now. Oh, so anyway, 40 minutes later, I'm drenched in sweat. I'm in agony. I've done whatever I could. I look in the bowl and it's just a mess. It's not. It's half my insides and half, you know, toilet waste. And so I go, okay, well, I can't wipe my own bum. I could barely, I was so crippled from it and from everything. I couldn't, I could barely move. I could barely sit, let alone move. So I ring the buzzer again, wait 20 minutes. Finally, the door opens and I'm expecting it to be the same girl. And, uh, and it's not, it's this kind of like big butch older woman. And I go, excuse me, I've taken my first toilet, my first poop. Uh, will you help clean me? And she looks at me funny, right? She goes out, she comes back in, she passes me an empty bucket and a dry cloth rag. I go, no, 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 I, I can't do it. I need you to do it. And she went, she looked at me like, <laughs> spam me around, push me up against the wall, right? Like a cop would do. Use the dry rough, uh, cloth and cloth my wound. And I literally was against the wall with my hands on it like I was being arrested and I was sobbing. You know what I mean? Because I can't believe this is happening to me. She's 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 wiping my ass, my sore ass with a dry cloth after I've just taken a crap. I've been abandoned and left in Rome for a week. I can't believe this is happening to me. Like I just literally weeped. I was like, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> Crazy. So so they're not allowing me to leave. And I said to the promoter, he visits me, and again, it's, it's been about a week. I go, I've got to leave. I can't stay here anymore. No, 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 no. They don't want you to leave. They don't want you to leave. I said, no, I'm going to write. I'm, I'm leaving. Get me on a, get me on a flight. 
And so they put like a million diapers around me, right? Because I can barely still walk and everything. And they take me to the, to the airport and they're like, you sure you're going to be okay? You sure you're going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as soon as they leave, I go buy two ginormous bottles of Jaeger, right? And I chug both of them because I know it's the only way. One, I'm an addict. But two, I know it's the only way I'm going to be able to sit on this flight because I'm in agony. So I chug two giant bottles of Jaeger, right? And stumble onto the plane. And luckily, I'm sat by two old, older people, two, two elderly people, right? And so they kind of baby me through the flight. And then I'm trashed by the time we land. And they help me off the plane and then take me to for my girlfriend to come pick me up. So, you know what I mean? Like, God bless those old people. But yeah, I thought, but there's no way I could do this. I mean, absolute agony. I have to get blind drunk. But that was also my thinking at the time. But yeah, it was the worst week of my life. Totally. Like, don't get impaled up the arse with a chair. And now, also, I don't have a normal, I need plastic surgery. So that's something that probably not a lot of people know. I don't have your stereotypical butthole. Let's just say it's a different shape. <laughs> I have a slit, not a hole. That, that is, well, that's, man, I can't think of, yeah, bro, uh, I've heard so was, much on this podcast, bro. just, I was like, we, we had like a great session up front. Yeah. I, now yeah, I I've got to add I'm to sure. my bucket list, not getting impaled bro, in the ass. Bro, I'm sure, I'm sure that everyone listening or barely listening to this podcast and be like, what is he talking about? He shouldn't be allowed to do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be allowed to talk. <laughs> that's great man i got i got new stuff for my life list here that i don't want to happen to me and uh just i don't know but i know one thing is certain that i've got to figure out a way to make that into a promo for this episode <laughs> well, my, my my poorly awesome <laughs> yeah just like little little snippets of like if you need to hear this whole story oh well yeah nick loves that story he's always like tell tell you tell your butthole story he loves it <laughs> Yeah, because he was there. He saw the stuff fall out when I pulled my trunks down. He saw it all hit the deck. Like he, he was there. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie he was a brave one. He got right in there and he's just like, it's not looking good. I can't believe I'm going to ask this, but it was legitimately like the leg of the chair or something, like just yeah, it was, broke it was through a, your tights. Oh, your it trunks. tore it up. It went, yeah, it just tore and went straight up me. Like, and they so said, not oh, even like in a separate area. It like just happened to be perfectly aligned. No, it slashed everywhere else too and gave me a massive cut under my gooch. Uh, but also one of the bits went up there too. Like it was like a trifecta of like damage. Um, and uh, yeah, I think as well, like my nuts now are also, I think they've been permanently damaged too. They're also numb, they're also numb to the touch. And I, you know, it, I, I feel like an injury like that could poss possibly make it so you know, they're not working and I wouldn't be surprised too. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was a, was a game-changing injury. <laughs> and I mean, I don't 100% know, but... And you're not drinking anymore, right? You said you're you're completely sober right now. and Because yeah. I expected we were going to talk about some stuff, but I didn't expect you to be this uh, part of the pun. <laughs> but this... I haven't, <laughs> I haven't... I haven't... I've not done a... Like I said, I've not done a podcast in years, guys. So sorry, I'm just bulleting it all out <laughs> <laughs> it's like laying it all out on the line today that's that is amazing i uh but you know what's even funnier just as a side note this is the second story legitimately the second time i've heard about uh somebody having an injury where uh, yeah no no actually you know what now that you say that now that's the third time 
because I remember him tearing something. And mm. uh, but no, no, when I when I lived in Illinois, um, I worked some or like I helped out sometimes at this bar. And uh, there was a guy there that legitimately like plopped down in this wooden chair and the chair shattered. Yeah. And the freaking leg of the chair like went up in him. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, it's, it happens more than you think. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's really scary, especially for a heavier guy. Uh, it like gives really... you an incentive now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, I gotta, I gotta either stand up all the time or, or lose some weight. <laughs> Be very careful about where I sit and what I sit in. <laughs> uh, I'm staying away from plastic and metal folding chairs. That's for sure. Oh my God. Only, Tom, only in Rome. Oh man, this has been amazing, man. We have been talking forever. Like my wife is like, I could hear my wife yelling at me, like, "What are you guys talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I apologize for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate you, guy. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know we talked about it for a long time. I know I've been promising for a long time. So thank you for for doing it, for letting me uh, to for letting me vent and uh, giving me a platform and um, and just for being cool, you know. Yeah, man, Tom, you're you're the best, really, and uh, and and I hope a lot of people hear this and 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 hear how how open you've been and and humble too. Like, I mean, you're not, I mean, even in this talk, you're not passing the blame on anybody. You're taking responsibility for what you're saying, and and and, and the world has to be a more forgiving place anyway. And uh, and so we we've, we've got over Twitter. That's the one thing it drives me nuts about. But uh, none of us are perfect, man. And uh, I appreciate you just being so honest about all of this. Because honestly, the other side of it is is like a lot of what we talked about, especially up front, is is gonna I know help me. So hopefully help a lot of other people that hear. Yeah, me. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and of course, yeah, you uh, you text me whenever you want those uh, those dieting tips, my son. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you, you helped me out. You sent me like a whole food list the other day and stuff. So I, oh, uh, yeah. I feel good about yeah. it. You got to send it to the shop now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no excuses. I've got everything that could go wrong. Every way to make it better. Every, yeah, this is I'm, this has been awesome. Yeah, uh, well, appreciate you, Gary. Thank you, my brother. Thank no, you. seriously, Tom, and Robert. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, and, I forgot we had we had Robert at the start. Yeah, and Robert. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was he was so bummed. He was so bummed he couldn't hang out the whole time. <laughs> but uh, he's gonna, he's gonna love this. But man, uh, everybody can follow Tom on at Thomas underscore Latimer underscore. Is that right? I feel like I think so. Yeah, I think it's the same on Twitter too. I'll make sure it's can right, I, and I'll cover it. Can I do? Can I do a? Can I do a couple of plugs? Shoot, man, go ahead. So, you got. All, right, all right, all right. One drink, Northern Chill. Northern Chill. <laughs> it's good water. All and, right. Uh, they, there's a big crate of it, bless them. And then also, so massive, massive supplements, right? Here's another one of the other companies that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm using a lot of their products. They've got greens. They've got multivitamins. They've got a great pre-workout. The guy that owns the company... Mitch, he's an ex, uh, ex-Navy SEAL and an MMA guy. And, and so his supplements are, are really, really good. His protein powders is... This is all the stuff that me and Kaylee use. Kaylee uses the, the, the powdered greens. And the, he's got a reds as well. So he's got like... Um, they, they taste good when you mix them together. Like uh, all the things that would be, you know, good and healthy in sort of red foods from like uh, sweet potatoes to strawberries to 
blueberries, all that kind of stuff. I know blueberries, not red, but, and then he's got the green powder, which is obviously all the things that you don't want to chew on and eat. And then his protein powders and whatnot. So that's massive supplements. Uh, and the guy that owns, like I said, the guy that owns, it's a good brother. And this, all this stuff is top quality. I actually found this at my local gym because they support him too. And then of course we've got Nick stuff as well. His pre-workout at, at yeah. uh, the sports nutrition. Does it and also course, turn your pee extra yellow? So it makes it stink a little bit. Yeah. But maybe that maybe that's the key. You know what I mean? Stinky piss makes you lift harder. Okay. All right. But it, I, I like the I like the taste of this. And then what else has he got? Is Lean, which I take every day, which we you know we 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 think helps uh, helps with getting me ripped. It helps me wake up in the morning. That's for sure. And do my cardio. His Test X. What else has he got? And his T Assist. And I'll tell you that one of the best supplements that he has, uh, if I can find it, which I can't. Oh, here we go. This is a recovery PM, which is a sleep aid. This yeah. thing, right? This thing out of a lot of them. Now, the fat burn is good. The pre-workout's good. You know what I mean? I, I, I try and go through a lot of pre, pre-workouts and a lot of that. Like, for me, they're all kind of they're all kind of the same. But I'm telling you, when it comes to um, the, the recovery for sleep, it's unbelievable. I've, a lot of people that I know talk to me. One guy that I'm training with tomorrow is going to a powerlifting meet. He was telling me, all sorts of gimmicks that he was taking to try and sleep before this. You know what I mean? And he's a guy that really struggles to sleep, but it knocks him out. So, you know what I mean? I, I'm always taking some sort of potion, but I do recommend this a lot, the recovery PM. And of course, use code LATIMA10 for 10% off. Or you could use Nick's code. I'm sure it's the same, Aldous10. <laughs> he gave us one. It's NWA fam. But uh, there you, you go. But, but use LATIMA10. We'll, we'll, we'll keep use it LATIMA10. at that. Yeah, yeah. Make Nick like me more. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, Tom's trying to give back to Nick here. So you support him. <laughs> I, owe, I owe him 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's legacysups.com. Legacy Sups. That's it. Yeah. A massive, a massive M A S F uh, supplements. So there we go. And that's it. That's it for the plugin. And then, of course, watch fights. Uh, watch, uh, sorry, watch NWA on fights. Yeah. Yeah. NWA Power Fight TV. Uh, well worth it because then you could go see Tom Latimer uh, whip some ass on there. That's it. That pay-per-view coming up June 6th. Oh, man, that looks fun. I like that circus vibe that's going it's on. It's a bit there. creepy, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what's coming up for you. No idea, yeah. <laughs> Something off a saw or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Tom, thanks again, man.